Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports from opening weekend all the way through Omaha. We'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome in, my friends, to the 2020 edition of the Dinger Derby podcast. This is the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. Episode 33, we're still here and going strong, folks. Lots of great things happening around this Red Raider baseball program and excited to bring them to you for our second season as a podcast. Thank you so much for your support. If you're just new tuning in, my name is Keith Patrick. I'm the host of Dinger Derby. You can find me on Twitter at Keith B. Patrick. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby. You can reach out to me and email Dinger underscore Derby at Outlook.com. You can also find Dinger Derby on Facebook. I've just recently gotten myself into Instagram. I've had it forever, but had never really done much with it. Recently got excited about it, so I may be firing up a Dinger Derby Instagram soon, so pretty quick you'll be able to find us on the gram. Lots of good things happening around Red Raider baseball. This episode is mostly going to be time I spent in December with Dr. Mike Gustafson and George Watson. A couple of super fans and insiders for Texas Tech baseball have lots of great insight to provide you. We recorded just after fall camp, after the Red and Black series, and right after the schedule came out. And since that time, Texas Tech has two preseason top five rankings. College Baseball News ranked them number three and Perfect Game USA, also preseason number three. Brian Klein been named a preseason All-American by one outlet. A little bit of an interesting twist. Perfect Game USA gives Texas Tech that top three preseason ranking, but no All-Americans for the Red Raiders in the preseason. Actually, no All-Americans out of the entire Big 12 by Perfect Game USA. So that's a little bit wonky, but I'm sure that those opinions will change very quickly as this baseball season gets underway starting on February 14th. Some other interesting news for Red Raider baseball. Josh Young was named the Big 12 Player of the Decade by D1Baseball.com. As many do at the beginning of a decade, they're doing their all-decade teams, and D1 Baseball really liked Josh Young and what he brought to the Red Raider squad and to the Big 12, and so big accolade for him, who's of course now in the Texas Rangers system. I don't want to spend too much time here just talking at you. I want to get right to the conversation with Gus and George. I think we had a lot of interesting things we talked about. We'll go through the roster. We'll talk about newcomers. We'll talk about fall camp. We'll talk about who's not around this Red Raider squad anymore. Some names you will no longer see that maybe you thought you still would. And we will go through the schedule, which at that time was newly released. I'll be back in your feed over the next few weeks before the season gets underway with some more special guests and previewing the action for you. I'm looking forward to another season covering this great Texas Tech Red Raider baseball team. And without further ado, let's get to the interview. We'll talk to you soon. Welcome into Dinger Derby, the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. Special fall edition here for you as I have a couple of special guests with us. We're going to cover any and everything that comes up, and maybe there's even a plan in there somewhere. We have with us today, once again, Dr. Mike Gustafson and then George Watson, first time here on the podcast. Welcome, fellas. Yeah, Thanks for having us. Yeah, you bet. Absolutely. So, new season, new fans. Every time you go to the College World Series, new fans <laughs> show up around Tech Baseball. So, Mike, why don't you start off, just tell us a little bit about 
kind of your involvement with tech baseball. We may never have done this before in the two times you've been on. So just tell us kind of your history and, and up to now and, and what the, some of the things you're a part of. You bet. Um, pl- played at tech in the late eighties from 86 to 89. Uh, and then just have, have been around, I guess, uh, in 2010, um, having moved back here, family job, all that, uh, did two years as the radio voice. Gio and I did mm-hmm. um, two years of, of you know basically all of the radio games, and then um, transitioned to TV. All of the home TV games with Gio. He and I <clears throat> made that transition at the same time, um, and then and now in these days, I fill in a lot of radio while our basketball team plays for right. a while, and so. Plus, and happily does so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good problem to have that uh, that Jeff Axton stays busy into early April. We all like that. But, uh, you know, plus now with more and more of these games being streamed on Texas Tech TV, Gio and I did a handful of those games last year. So uh, it seems like more and more each year in the booth, and I enjoy that part of it. So you guys do Texas Tech TV, but then when it's a Fox broadcast game, then Texas Tech TV does that production is that right yep and then there will be a few of those uh you know essentially i think that's that's what we would refer to as third tier rights when it becomes a campus broadcast right uh when fs1 did, did those two games last year and i think espn you did a couple games and, and then certainly postseason i get to take my seat over there and enjoy the game like a fan which is <laughs> which is just fine that's any day at the ballpark's a good day and then you've got another side hustle there as far as baseball is concerned tell us a little bit about the hall of fame yeah college baseball foundation executive director um you know that was an organization we created in 2004 five of us did uh one of whom's chris need which would be familiar to a lot of tech fans and uh at that time we created it simply to give the brooks wallace award mm-hmm. of course named after the former texas tech shortstop and and over time it evolved into i guess now five awards and um, maybe more importantly the national college baseball hall of fame first class was inducted in 2006 and for about the first 10 years we we sought uh, lubbock as the the eventual site for the facility for the hall of fame um, that that process ended in 2017 but we're still giving the awards and still looking for a home for the college baseball hall of fame uh, about a month ago in early november we did the Night of Champions, which is our annual award presentation and mm-hmm. Hall of Fame induction in Baton Rouge. And uh, had 500 people in the room and inducted Billy Wagner and Andre Dawson and, and uh, you know, gave the Burtman Award to uh, Coach Backich at, at Michigan. And he and I got to talk a little <laughs> bit of, of, yeah. of about their time in, in Lubbock and Texas Tech and then meeting him again in Omaha. And it was uh, it was really interesting because he really credited the trip to Lubbock last year with – as a big part of getting them going. And, and, right. and I thought the best compliment for Red Raider baseball was he said, you know, we went down there and played them and they kicked our tails. And he said, yeah, they got our guy, yeah exactly. Yeah. And he said, and our guys got a chance to see what an Omaha program looks like. And I thought, well, that, that, I like this. That's yeah. not bad at all. Yeah, it's not like bad at all. Yeah. The chest bumps out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that, that really was good. And, and he, he, I don't think he was just playing to his – crowd because at the time I was actually it was a setting similar to this I was doing an oral history with him and wanted to get his thoughts and memories of the 2019 season because obviously it was a great one for them but he received the Skip Burtman award Mm -hmm. as the top coach in the country and so uh anyway all of that college baseball foundation uh induction stuff is is uh, ongoing and kind of where my baseball 
you know, it, it get I get to tap into some baseball stuff and right. a lot of college baseball stuff. One of the awards we give is the Olerud Award, and George Watson happens to be on that committee and heads up that effort. So good segue. Yeah, <laughs> solid segue there. You've done radio before. <laughs> yeah. Well, George, tell us about yourself and kind of some of the things you've been into around baseball as well. Well, you know, I moved to, to Lubbock in 97 to go to work for the Avalanche Journal doing prep sports, but one of the things that attracted me was they told me I would be, get to cover collegiate baseball. And I dabbled in it a little bit. I'd covered some JUCO when I was a one-man person in Gainesville covering North Central Texas Junior College and, and, and kind of got a little bit of the itch there. Actually, kind of got the itch back in college. Not, not a lot of people know this i spent two years at a&m don't don't hit me people um <laughs> but i was in the stands the day the legendary game against texas that byington hit the two walk-off home runs oh wow against texas and and so that so you can't help but get involved in college baseball when you're in an atmosphere like that so but you no know, i moved to, to lubbock in 97 and i covered the tech baseball program from the 98 season through the 2014 season mm-hmm. before I left and went to Tech. And I've been at Tech for about five and a half years now working in the communications office. And now I'm front row Joe like Gus and and my <laughs> wife sitting right next to me and Sneed and, and, and all our friends down there. And then Gus, once I did leave the newspaper, Gus was uh, nice enough to bring me in with uh, with the Hall of Fame uh, and, and let me do the Old Root Award as kind of the guy that's in charge of that. And, and now I, I kind of help wrangle a lot of the other awards, you know, with the other committees as well so it's great to get involved and, and and stay involved in the game like that but yeah might not as uh as as extensive as gus but we're right there and and you know it's uh it's, it's a great thing to be able to talk to gus about baseball just anytime we want to yeah absolutely and i was thinking about this bringing equipment in earlier that there's kind of a core group of hardcore tech baseball fans <laughs> and it changes over the years but there's that group that watches all year and and techs and i'm brand new into the world a little bit but i know you guys kind of follow the team and keep up with players and what's going on all year long and have your own ways of doing that so i love that knowledge there and there's another connection there george that that i know we have randy rosetta had told me that i needed to meet you for a long time and for anybody out there that is in the lubbock area and the south plains and has any interest in prep sports and high school sports uh, private school or public school you got to get hooked in with uh, hubcitypreps.com. Randy does a fantastic job with that. He used to work for the AJ along yeah. with George. You guys were roommates. We, yeah, we were actually room. When I moved to Lubbock, I moved into a house that he was uh, living in. They had an extra room. And so I, I moved in there and we were roommates for a while. Met my wife. He he introduced my wife and I. I met, I met <laughs> really? her the first night I moved in. They, they had had like a, a, a birthday party for him the, the night before. And so his girlfriend at the time was bringing over cupcakes. And my wife then was, you know, is good, good friends with, with his wife. Uh, it, at school they worked at the aj together and so they're bringing cupcakes over him on sunday <laughs> and i actually met her on sunday when i moved you know when i moved to love oh, before awesome. i started on a monday so yeah uh can't say enough about you know randy just a just a great dude a great friend uh and he's doing a fantastic job over he at Hub City preps he is working his tail off giving uh giving the city of lubbock what they uh what they deserve well that's a that's an unpaid plug for randy I, <laughs> no money's exchanged hands but i believe in what he's doing too and, and most of you guys know that i'm uh, y'all out there listening that I'm involved at, at Friendship ISD and uh, I saw Randy cover Friendship this year and he was the only print reporter that had come out to El Paso for Friendship's playoff game. He's there. I mean, he's there on the ground and, and getting folks to help him out. And so uh, if you are in any way interested in high school sports, follow Randy. I'm sure we'll have him around when baseball comes. Randy was in Baton Rouge for the last 15 years covering LSU baseball and uh, is now back in Lubbock and we're glad to have him. 
So that's just a random little connection. Mike, we have a random connection too. I was going to say thank you for the invitation to your son's wedding. It's, and then it turns uh, out that uh, my wife works with the mother of the bride. And so. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If, if the uh, invitation list, if, if all of the player, former players show up for that wedding, uh, you know, that are invited, it, we'll have a club. I need, we'll to bring my, club. I need to bring my recorder. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, or some autograph. Bring your autograph. Bring your autograph. Because yeah, <laughs> I think Josh and Cam and, and a, little, a little bit of the older group, you know, more of the guys Brooks's age, Mashinsky, Patterson. Yeah, yeah. Farhat, Shatter. Well, tell, we got like we got pitchers, Martin, catchers. Yeah. I think we got all the positions. Yeah. Tell yeah. tell folks what uh, what Brooks did with yeah, the team. Yeah, sure. Brooks Brooks Gustafson. He was a bullpen catcher from twenty fourteen teams through I guess fourteen through seventeen. And so his four years got to go to Omaha twice. Yeah. Won a couple of Big Twelve championships. Got has a uh, three nice looking rings coming out of uh, <laughs> coming out of his time there. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, and so he was you know certainly around the program and. Uh, and had a pretty cool summer himself. Yeah, yeah right? he did. He did an internship last summer in Cape Cod, and so uh, that was that was our vacation to go visit him. But a scouting internship, and he's he's floated some resumes, and yeah, you know if, if that kind of thing works out for him, it'll be great, and it'll be you know this ideal perfect scenario. And if not, he's 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 working on a career and a real job. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Speaking of rings, did you see Zach Stewart on Twitter this week? No, you know because they released the that they showed the pictures of the new the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Not their 2018 yeah. rings. Zach Stewart, old, old lefty that, that pitched back in the well, back in the nineties yeah. for Tech, said, "Hey, can I trade my last Southwest Conference and first two Big Twelve championship rings for this one?" <laughs> that ring was sweet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, somebody it, somebody called it a new Big Twelve championship ring. I was like, "Hold on, there's a whole lot <laughs> yeah, more on that ring right. than Big Twelve yeah, championships." World exactly. Series, yeah. <laughs> regional champions. Yeah, exactly. no doubt. All right, guys. Well, let's. Um, I guess let's jump in. I mean, I don't really have a, a particular thing. I texted you the same list that I tweeted out um, as far as what we're going to talk about. But let's just run briefly through the summer. Post-College World Series, you know, we know there's some changes. There's always some guys that are going to depart a team, and some of those are, are fairly well-known and, and obvious from the fall camp. So maybe let's start there with some of the guys that we're probably not going to see again, at, at least this season at Tech. I, I think uh, I wrote down six of them, I guess, that are notable departures and, and – it's six guys that I think about in terms of who who you really got to replace now, and this could be this could be graduation, it could be draft. You know, it's no surprise to everybody. Got to replace Josh Young, sure. And I really looked at this. I mean, immediately, and really, we were we were probably all sitting around in the postseason and during the season last year, going, "Well, you know, who you're going to have to replace. You're going to probably have to replace three best hitters." And and young Warren and Gabe, right? Best pitcher and Killian, just as the draft thing approached, and he could kind of feel feel those guys' opportunities come in, and arguably the two best relievers. I I shouldn't even say the best relievers, but but your inning eaters, yeah, for two sure. two guys that that were on the mound at the end of the last three wins, yeah, Dane Havman and Taylor Floyd, and so uh, yep. and and for different reasons, but regardless, those are six key guys that have to be replaced. It doesn't feel like it's a big number of people. Right. And there's a ton of guys back who were good contributors last year, but you're still replacing the three best hitters, the best starter, and the two best relievers. And so that in in that sense it's uh 
it's big. The the numbers aren't decimated behind those six guys, though. That's the good it's, news. It's not the numbers that you lost. It's the quality that you no lost. Doubt. Right. And the positions they were occupying. You're talking about Killian. That's your Saturday guy. That's that's your swing guy in every series. You're, you're talking about your Saturday guy either gets you a series win or he gives you a chance to go in on Sunday You know, with a chance to win. And like Gus said, you know, you're talking about your middle of your lineup guys and your leadoff guys. So it's it's not so much the, the numbers that you lost. It's, it's the, the positions and the key spots in the back order and, and on the mound that, that they occupy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not like a year where you have, you know, 11 guys get drafted. So right. you, yeah. you know that it's this attrition, but <clears throat> where you have some of the biggest guys and certainly a top 10 draft pick, you know, is always going to eat up a lot of air in the room. Some of the guys that uh, you remember their names, but you won't see again. Havman is probably the biggest on that list. Mm-hmm. I would think Doug Facendo. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not not around this year. Who else am I, uh, is not popping into my head? Straight um, off the bat, yeah, I'm looking anybody at else list. in your mind? Um, yeah, he wasn't really much a key contributor last year because he's been injured. But Erickson Landing yes, was was, right. was was probably going to be able to redshirt, but medically it looks like he's not going to be able to make, maybe okay. make it back right. as well. So yeah, yeah, I think Erickson's taking a medical. You know, the the back situation that he was dealing with down the stretch last year was just kind of chronic in a way that I think he's. He stepped away from the game, but still still around campus and finishing yeah. up his degree and doing sure. all that. Well, and a guy early, and this was a last season deal, but early on you were looking for Jake McDonald to come back, and yep. you had an opportunity to see from him, and he ended up moving on as well from Tech. Everybody wished him well uh, on Twitter when that was announced, but I don't think I ever talked about it on the podcast. That's why I bring him yeah. up. Well, and, and one name one name that I can see um, that, hasn't, that wasn't really mentioned all that much even last year, but because they recruited so many catchers and have good depth there now, Mason Menzies. He was from uh, Minnesota, I believe. You know, he's he's moved on. He's not. He wasn't here in the fall either. So, right. there's another name that he wasn't a, a big contributor. He you know he was a, he was a he was depth. Yeah, he was depth. But you know, really, you went through the year with one catcher, and, and every once in a while, Stillwell would get in there. Right. And so so yeah, that so so but so they recruited more depth. They've got a couple of really good looking kids. Uh, you know, that new kids coming in. So just from a number situation, uh, Menzies moved on. I believe he moved on to UConn, if I'm not. Is that right? I believe that's not right. Mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Noah, Noah Huerta and Cade Farr, uh, right? Two others, two other pitchers didn't didn't you know a couple of innings between them on the entire season, both in junior college. I think uh, Noah has already signed or committed and signed with the University of Houston to be yeah. there next fall. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, okay. before he had ever really done anything at uh, I guess he's at Howard now he uh but anyway yeah so and then Caleb Friedman was the right. other guy who was drafted and signed last year yes uh, yes so Caleb's not around although not didn't really see a whole lot of Caleb nope. last year no nope. unfortunately nope. all right so let's talk about the fall then we had a chance to see less red and black games than we wanted ended up getting cut down to, <laughs> to a three-game series and a short one at that the final game turned into a, an absolute boat race and so well uh, and you and you probably saw more than we did though because we were both out of town for the first two I got to see a little bit of the first one that that really turned into more of a parking lot reunion for me and my friends so we saw <laughs> we saw a couple innings and we realized that uh, that no one was enjoying our heckling whatsoever so we moved on out and, uh, and went out to the pickup but uh, I will say that you know I'm sure that Everyone out there listening, the first question they're going to be asking is, what does Jace Young look like? Yeah. And so yeah. I know in that first game, a big takeaway for me, he made a couple of fantastic plays at second mm-hmm. in the gap and really showed some some speed and agility out there making those and, and covering some ground there. And that was something, and I love you, Cam, but I brought it up last year. You know, Cameron Warren was not in, – in that gap was not the guy that like a Hunter Hargrove was. And so – 
but he ended up playing fantastic for you at first right, base. Right. So now you're going to have a question at first base and looking for somebody to fill that position. We probably have some ideas about who that's going to be. But having the other side of that, if that's where he ends up playing, um, it certainly looked really good there. You yeah. know, and showed you can compare him physically to his brother in some ways, but certainly the that extra step was there for him. I think that maybe Josh didn't have. I thought that Jace was an interesting guy to watch because early on we saw we had heard about him being a third and second baseman. You know that was that was kind of the thing coming in. Uh, it felt like earlier in fall ball we saw more of him at third, and later yeah. he he showed up at second base and and flashed a little bit. And and what he flashed, I thought, was uh, an arm strength that was that was uh, resembling uh, Michael Davis over there. Yeah. I mean, he turned some Which double bold. plays. That's a yeah. big thing to say. No, it really yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, big arm strength over there. And so now, believe me, Klein's not going anywhere. In terms of you know that bat's going to be in the lineup somewhere, right. and so the, at the very end, the other thing we saw was a lot of Dylan Noisy and Tim talked about it post Red Black. The, the about the only real significant media availability they had. Tim talked about Noisy at third, giving him some athleticism and you know the, the, playing the bond a little bit better than some of the other options. And so at the very end, there was a bunch of Dylan Noisy at third and some Jace at second, and so. Uh, That'll be an interesting thing to see because a lot of times you go through the fall and you see a bunch of stuff, and then you roll back there in January in the first sunshiny day, and they're out there practicing. You know, this time last year, it was Drew Baker and Noisy right. all year, all fall and shortstop. Yep. Last year, we come back in January and saunter out there the way we do to watch. You know, we get a little sunshine, go watch, go watch a scrimmage, and there's Noisy running around the outfield, right, exclusively and yeah. never moves. Yeah, and so yeah. you you don't know. We don't know what we're really seeing there, but uh, Tim seemed to be pretty happy with Noisy at third. Jace looked really good at second. Jace looked okay at third. And so, yeah. and, and Klein's not going anywhere. And he's back for his senior year. And, and, you know, after really being a productive hitter for three years, going to have an outstanding four year career, it would seem. So, uh, you know, Jace is an interesting guy, left handed hitting version of Josh Young and uh, of his brother Josh, and uh, a little bit different as a player. But boy, he, he, I think he hit five home runs this fall. And, and I mean, he's got a little bit more loft in his swing, but, you know, good hands. And, you know, well, he, he hit had, a couple balls a long way. Yeah. He had at least one grand slam in that yes. final game. Maybe he had a couple. I know he had two home runs in that last game. And, you know, going back to that shortstop, Drew Baker last year, he's a freshman for one. And so there's that to consider when he came into shortstop. But I think what you really saw in the, in the, the swap there and putting Josh Young at, at shortstop is you saw chemistry with the second baseman. Right. And so he inclined very close, spent a lot of time together, obviously over the years, but in general, and that you just had some, some communication there that, that made a little bit better sense, I think. And so now the question and you would assume Brian Klein's going to be at second base. Who's the communication? And is Brian Klein in, at shortstop an option? Well, see, I mean, I'm with Gus, is that you're not going to take Brian Klein's bat out of the lineup. My thought is is you're going to have three new fielding positions in the infield everywhere else. So do you really want four new fielding right, positions? Right. You know, it'd, it'd be, it's going to be nice to have that senior out there who knows who knows been through the battle in the infield. He can help position everybody, and, and, and it's as much vocal leadership as it does, hey, you know, you need to be here, you need to be here. And like you said, building that chemistry because you are going to have a new shortstop that he's going to have to work right. with. You're going to have a new first baseman. You're going to have a new third baseman. As far as noisy at third, I'm still I'm you know and and this is based on nothing other than my own eyes. I'm still a little iffy with that. I just kind of wonder if that, like Gus said, if that's something that Tim's looking at in the fall 
or if he's actually serious about that because you know it's it's one of those deals that you're you're affecting two positions to 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 try to shore up one right you know you know go back and leave him in the outfield let him do what he was doing last year i would be perfectly fine with jace young over at third base from what i saw i liked his range uh i liked his bat i mean everything like everything that came off his bat was hit on a line or hit very very hard and so i would be perfectly fine with jace at third and and that gives you brian at second and let him kind of be the the ringleader of that infield well, and you have a guy in Easton Morrell that saw a lot of time as well. Yeah. And, you know, is there going to be a place for him to fit in? We we saw five guys run through third base this fall. Not not in addition to the day that you know with that Bo Willis wasn't catching and he went right. over there just as a placeholder or whatever. Uh, but there was five guys that played third that you know all have either all either played there this fall or started postseason games for the Red Raiders last year. Jace Young, Dylan Noisy. Parker Kelly, Easton Morrell, and Drew Baker. Yeah. You know, and so all of those guys are still around now. Uh, Parker, we talked a little bit about injuries and things like that. I, he didn't participate in fall ball. He was He's around the program early in fall. He had a little Band-Aid deal on his elbow, so I assume he had something that way. But mm-hmm. all reports are that he'll be healthy and ready to go this yeah. spring. And so there, there's really five guys that have either shown themselves to be adequate third baseman or played there last year. So that's the position that that's got the most moving parts beyond just looking at the outfield. But uh, yeah, and you know, Easton certainly finished the year on a high note. And I think with the home run up there in, in Omaha against Arkansas, but I, I think about Easton. He he also ran around a little bit in the outfield and some corner yeah. outfield spots yeah. this fall. And uh, I think for Easton, it's always going to come back to is he going to hit enough to stay in the lineup? And if he does, he's also a DH candidate. And one advantage that this year's this twenty twenty roster has or maybe doesn't have is the obvious DH. You know, two two years ago it was Zach Reams because he really didn't have a very good defensive position. So if Zach was going to hit right. and be in the lineup, he's a DH. Last year he had a little bit of that with Masters because his throwing arm was so compromised coming off Look, of the Give injury. us a little bit more background on that, Gus. I don't know that yeah. everybody is aware he, that he was coming off of yeah. off of an injury. Two, I guess two summers ago he had injured something in his throwing shoulder, yeah. uh, diving back into first base or something. And well, really, I, think, I think he injured like di- – it might have been like in the summer he was diving really? for a ball in the outfield and, and landed wrong. And so you know how kind of the, the shoulder will kind of jerk out a little right. bit like that. I think maybe that's how it happened. Yeah, and he, he had uh, – I did that in college, but it wasn't diving for a baseball. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> falling off a bar stool. Yeah. Well, it, was, yeah. it was it was muddy and my arms were full. That's right. So, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, he uh, yeah, but anyway, he was really compromised. His throwing arm was really compromised last year, and we saw that. You know, mm-hmm. we saw, you know, we we saw him playing left field and cut off guys having to really go out there and get balls from him. And teams teams really weren't able to respect his. Didn't have to respect. Right. It. I mean, he could he could have the ball standing there looking at a guy, and they take off and challenge him, and he really couldn't do much about it. He he didn't play summer balls. My understanding, I think he was around Pat this past summer, just a, around just rehabbing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, different people had seen him out and about, and so, and, and just his throwing arm was back this fall. Yeah. I thought it's never been a great arm, but it's it's the kind of arm that's not compromised now, and so. Uh, all of that to say is he's not an obvious candidate at DH, and so I think what we're going to have at DH this year is, you know, the, the the guy who's the best hitter who's not in the starting lineup at one of these positions, as opposed to what we had in 2018, where it was either, you know, where it was essentially Reams because he didn't have a position. Right. Once Reams right. heated up, you didn't have to worry. Let's put Reams out of right field. I know he did some of that, but. Uh, 
he, he was d- defensively he wasn't much of it. And and I, and I think that's going to be one of the advantages of this team is be able yeah. to match up with whoever you know the other team throws on the mound, whether it's right or left, you know, sidearm or, or power guy. I think I think we'll have the horses. We I say we Tech will have the horses. <laughs> uh, you know, to be able to to match up. You know, with you know the lineup that could go. You know what, fourteen, fifteen deep probably. Well, and Reams is always an example, that I, and an example I like, and I don't think it's apocryphal. You know, these guys, some of these guys, really are kind of on a razor's edge. I mean, it's just oh, yeah. another version of yeah. playing pro ball. They're really battling for a position, and in, in it, it's fairly well known. I think Reams was about a week from no longer being a Red Raider, uh, and then went you know onto that Baylor series, and then all of a sudden earned a earned that DH spot and, and took off with it and became somewhat of a hero that season. And yeah. so there's some of these guys even right now and through the fall that we're playing for a position and, and will continue to. And when you're in a position of as many College World Series and as much a competitor as they are, a contender, there's no reason for them to accept anybody that's not able to play. And you have, like you just said, George, you have the dudes. Yeah. I mean, they're all lined up, ready to ready to hop in and, and find the hot hand. You know, one of the things I haven't followed fall ball just over the years, the way we have is I always joke about it. There's always something – that every year there's an assumption that I have coming out of fall ball that just, just ends up being just grotesquely wrong, <laughs> you know, for whatever I'm reason. the same way. Yeah, I, I, you I know, every year fall. you just believe, oh, that guy's the that, – there's the catcher right there. That yeah. guy's ready to take off. He, yeah, he's going to have a great season. Yeah. Fall on a, falling flat on his face. <laughs> Never and then, see him again. And then some guy like Reams that you're talking about that just comes out of nowhere and ends up being a season changer, which right. he was in 2018. And so as we look through all these names and, you know, several – Several considerations at third and several in the outfield. You know, some of who will there obviously three of these guys will be outfielders and perhaps one at a DH. You know, that, that, that there could be one of these guys that just you know blows the doors off of this thing, and that's a that's a wonderful problem to have. I mean, there's, it really there's, is. There's always something in a season, that, and especially in the last three or four seasons, whether it was you know a sweep at Oklahoma, right. or something. You know, uh, you know, Reams taking off. Uh, you know, two years ago, the move to move a Josh to shortstop. There's always something in a season that you that when you that when you yeah when you look when you look back and you're just like. That's when it started right there. Yeah, was yeah. When you made that move right there, or when that guy took off, that's what propelled you the rest of the season. So that, that's always one of the things I love looking for is, is like when is, you know, because it can happen in April, it can happen in March, it can yeah. happen in the fall. When is that going to happen? What was that moment? Yeah. 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 What was that moment in 18? Josh. Yeah. Wait, in 18? In 18. Oh, in 18. I, I, I would oh, put dreams on I think I it. Was that, I think it was that walk off in Midland. That's well, what, that's I that's like interesting because that, that was around the time that he was getting his feet on the ground and getting yeah, established, right. and you know that was it was a two to one win down there at, at Midland against New Mexico State, crazy win, yeah, yeah, no doubt. I was and, uh, I think I was calling a game from the stands at Odessa Permian that night. That right? so you were, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the I think the screens were about to blow nice. down. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that was what that was extra innings too, wasn't it? Or was it bottom or, of the ninth? It was definitely a walk off. Yeah, it, it was a bottom walk-off. of ninth or ten. I, I think it was extra. Yeah, yeah, I want to say it was like yeah. a tenth inning. You I know, think it was. He was like lead off. Yeah, I feel like I had the chance to stop and <coughs> like eat dinner and and hear the hear the end of it, you know, yeah. or something like that. After my baseball, yeah, we game. Well, we were there in the stands, and you know, just, just and I mean, it was it was no doubt as soon as the ball left his bat, too. Yeah. Just, I mean, yeah. it was he he crushed that thing. But yeah, I mean, you know, in eighteen, I, I think we can both agree that was when Reams took off. That's when everything started to come together. That's when yeah. all the pieces started to fit. You got on a great run, and and and, and it ran you to and the, well, the confidence just grows and grows. Yeah, 
amongst that, the team. And you think about what Reams did. Think, I mean, go back and reconstruct the 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 regional and super regional. You know, the, yeah. which was essentially the Louisville, and then you know the two games against Louisville, and the three games against Duke, and Reams is huge. Think about last year's postseason, and it was Cam that yeah. kind of went nuts. Yeah, you know, right. the home runs in each of the games to beat DBU, and both. The, you know, we're all going to look back on that and just sort of gloss over it as fans and go, "Yeah, hey, beat DBU twice." It was a three to two and a three to nothing game, yeah. and those were and tight, the, tight beat, games. And, and, all, and all three of those runs came in the first yes. inning off of his bat. Yes, yeah. Cam hit a two run homer. I think the Braxton had an RBI single yeah. later in the one, and then the other one was his three run homer that you know they had to be saying. We're not pitching to Warren. Well, that was the I think that was the home run he hit that was about shin high. Yeah. Like, don't give him anything to hit. Yeah. He, yeah. he goes down and Adrian Beltre's one yep. out into the thing. And Ends so up on a knee. And so two years in a row we've really had just just breathtaking performances and really breathtaking power performances, in addition to good pitching and all those kind of things. But yeah. what Cam did last year and what, what Reams did two years ago in the postseason was you know hard to replicate. Well and, and Cam showed the ability to, to to do that in I thought the first game of the series at OU. You know, right, on a Friday right, night no when he had the two homers, one of them that, that kind of gave him the lead and then the one that um that extended the lead and allowed him to win that game. Yeah. That set the tone for the entire for the entire series that they went on and swept for the first time since ninety nine. Yeah. And you going back real quick and we'll talk about the schedule later, I hate playing DBU. They're they're stinking good program. You can and ever since they ever since that midweek just boat race at the end of the season and was that eighteen or seventeen? Yeah, that was horrible. And yeah. so anytime they pop up, and so they're on the schedule next year, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. But yeah, you talk, you say DBU, and I just ugh. <laughs> next spring, it's the last game before finals. Yeah, so it's, it's a credit to how good that program is. They've done a they've done they're a fantastic great. job. So let's finish out. let's finish out on Cody Masters. One thing sure. in the fall we noticed he pitched lefty the whole time. He wasn't. He wasn't switching. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, hit. Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit lefty. Right. Yeah. No more switching. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't appear to be. He he definitely batted left-handed against left-handed pitching this fall. So let's uh, let's keep it in in the in the infield. You know, as as far as what we've been talking about. So I feel like first base and catcher are a little bit. Uh, a little bit connected right now because we saw somebody look like kind of own own a spot at first base and and he was no nonsense ready to play. So what do you think? I mean, is is Cole Stillwell going to be the guy there at first base? Yeah, if, yeah. If, if you ask me for who's the breakout player at Texas Tech this coming spring, at this point, I would say it's him because he had a big fall. Yeah, and just look carried himself because I think a big question is can, it, can he handle the defensive side. You know, and, and he had a really good stretch at the early part of Big 12 play where he was really one of the best hitters on the team in the early part of Big 12 play at a point that, you know, that the team really wasn't going offensively. He, he was swinging it pretty good. He cooled off late when a bunch of the other guys, Josh being one of them, really heated up. But, uh, you know, I, I thought this fall he looked like a bona fide middle of the lineup guy, and I thought he handled defensively. He handled first base. He was – we saw him faced with bunt challenges, a lot of pickoff type, you know, situations there. A couple of diving stops in a way that it, he just felt like a guy that was comfortable. And one thing yeah. we didn't see, he did he did not put on the gear one time this fall. And so I think he is a first baseman now, yeah. and they have three catchers. And, and Stillwell as a moving back and forth type guy is is not necessarily an option or didn't appear to be coming through fall ball. Well, and talking, we talked about this before we got going a little bit. I think that Braxton Fulford had a fantastic year last year, and I think he was probably just dog-tired 
when you got to the College World Series. Oh, yeah. I mean, he pitched basically every inning. He never I don't recall him ever having a full game off. He still came in late innings even in games that he didn't catch the, you know, he didn't start the game. So this season you've got a whole different look there and more depth as you were talking about. Minzy has left. Stillwell is probably going to be at first base. At least that's yeah. what it looks like and you still have depth there. So let's talk about those new guys. Well, I, one of the guys that I know that the coaches are excited about and 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 interested to see and we got a good look at him uh, incoming freshman named Nate Rombach. Uh just just a tremendous you know tremendous looking kid, uh you know, freshman out of uh, out, out of Mansfield. If, if I'm reading my, you know, my, yeah, I'm reading my deal right, uh, you know, but you know, probably about, you know, six, what about what, six three, six four, two hundred pounds, just a really solid, you know, solid looking guy. Um, I mean, obviously we saw, you know, you know, he's a freshman getting used to to college, uh, college baseball and 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 kind of the, you know, the what's required there. So, uh, but I thought he had a a good fall for an incoming freshman, and and I would I would expect that we will see a lot more two catcher. Uh, platoon not just not just because uh you know just uh, and just because you know to give a rest and so like you said right. that uh you know neither of them are breaking down you know toward the end of the season and, and getting tired so i think you know we've got him and then uh uh, uh, uh bo, bo willis, willis. Yeah, yeah bo willis uh another very solid looking kid so i i really think the, he's from magnolia yeah from magnolia so i really think our catching depth this year you know we could run any of those guys out there you know either of the three and we'd be just fine yeah and, and brax was a guy that you know he hit 298 last season. He was a completely different player as a sophomore. Now as a junior, I mean, he had a great fall. Yeah. Like he looks, he looks like a legitimate middle of the lineup guy. It, I think it was. I think I heard uh, Coach Tadlock talking about, you know, what do you do? I mean, you have a guy that's ready to hit, and he could be your cleanup guy. But do you really put your catcher in the four hole? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, the the last do? time it was done here, I think it was Josh Bard or maybe Matt Smith. So yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's it's not that often you see the catcher in the four hole around here. You know what's interesting about. Rombach, he he. First of all, he was a drafted guy, and I think yep. we all talked about yeah. that, you know, as the summer went along, because he was the he was the one dra- incoming drafted guy that I guess we got on campus. Yes, that yes. right, yeah, nineteenth yeah. round pick, and yeah, and, and he, that was something we heard that at the series, kind of a. Uh, his mom's my cousin from the parent of another player kind yeah. of thing. And they said, yeah, he, he he's pretty sure he's going to come. But, yeah, you're right. There was some higher-drafted guys that went on. And he's got baseball bloodlines. His grandfather, legendary coach at Duncanville, and his dad is is in scouting and I believe in the Braves organization. And um, so there's a lot of familiarity with baseball and just the kid's kind of a savvy. While he's not the son of a coach, he kind of carries himself in that way. I think one interesting thing, and you you just mentioned his name, so I'll reference this. I thought Rombach physically, for those who are listening to this and maybe didn't see fall ball, I think Rombach physically reminds you of Josh Bard. Yeah. I mean, yeah. tall, yeah. 6'4". I think the, the roster, 6'4", 220 is how he's listed. So he's uh, like 6'3", 210. <laughs> yeah, whatever. But, but just he'll remind you when he goes yeah. back there, you know, that yeah, he's, he's a big guy. He's a, he's a big-bodied kid, especially a taller, leaner bodied kid than than what we're used to having behind the plate and uh you know and he'll be an interesting guy because if he gets going offensively he can be that guy that does some dh and when he's not catching and yeah. so that that's yeah. where i was talking about earlier that dh position could be a that dh role could have some flow to it in terms of unless he just goes crazy you get in there and hit and go crazy like reams did then you just right. write the name and every day and forget about it but uh, you know, he, he could be a guy that catches some and then, you know, gets into that DH thing if he hits because he's he's got the kind of power that Coach Tadlock likes in that DH spot. Another guy that that is probably looking for a place to be, and he swung it a little bit last year and had some, some 
stints here and there is Tanner Otrimba. Yeah. And yeah. so it, I hate for a guy with a nickname like Bam Bam to go anywhere, you know. <laughs> and and the thing about Otrimba that I always notice, and I sit by first base, I mean, the guy has wheels. I mean, he really can move. And he when he gets ahead of steam, he's fast, but there's a lot there's a lot of momentum behind him there too. But, um, you know, probably looking for a place to be and a guy that, you know, if the bat can get going, it can vie for that, that spot as well. You know, G- George and I talked about this coming out of – fall and I'll, I'll I won't take all the thoughts on this George certainly but I, I think Dylan Carter's an impressive looking dude yeah. out yeah. there and uh uh he, he feels like to me the kind of guy that's going to get get rolling uh seems to have real good command of the uh you know as as Tim would say he separates balls from strikes really well seems to be the kind of guy that's just going to hit and be productive we saw him run around in center field some which tells you that he can do the corner outfield stuff but let me let me run through a, a list of six guys here that are really vying for three outfield spots maybe the da sure cody masters dylan noisy marshock drew baker who ran around in the outfield yep. probably as much or more than he played played in the infield this fall and looked really good doing yep, it too because he's a good athlete dylan yep. carter and otrimba you got six guys there that that all have some asset some you know, big power, big speed, and max, whatever. And so six dudes competing for three spots, possibly four, if you think about DH, uh, there's there's a lot there. You know, there's, there's the, right. that's a, a lot of options. And so if Noisy doesn't do the third base thing, then it then it's six guys cramming into th- yeah. three spots. But I, of all the new guys there, I was impressed by Dylan Carter. Yeah, Dylan Carter was, was one of those that we were told, you know, going – Going into the fall, it's like, hey, you know, this guy is is a legit starter. You know, the minute he steps on the field, and and there was nothing he did. He's, out he's there. lake ready. Yeah, he's lake ready, and there was <laughs> and there's nothing nothing he did that showed us that that, that wasn't true. Uh, like like you know, Gus said, great job of separating balls and strikes. Uh, you know, good left handed bat. Uh, you know, and and uh, you know, plays the outfield really well. So, uh, you know, he's he's going to be a a guy that I think to watch. My interesting deal, you, you're throwing Marshock in there. I think for Marshock to be able to vie for one of those spots, he's got to find his bat somewhere. Oh, now he because right now, you know, and and Max is a good kid. Nothing, nothing against him, and and love his speed and everything. But right now, he's he's Zach Davis. Right, he's 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 a good pinch runner. That's you know because he's he's not being able to hit consistently enough. I think to be able to be in that lineup, the, the so. bunt single has been the best, yeah. the best weapon in the arsenal. But in that last game, the one that we were all at, he had a couple of he doubles. Did. He yep. had a single. No I mean, he had the infield single too. But you know, he definitely hit better. Everybody hit that day though. Yeah, and and. You the know, thing can, is, though, Gus and I go. You know, we go out to the to the fall scrimmages on the weekends too. Sure, and and and, and that's when you're seeing them going against each other in kind of a more you know relaxed, just scrimmage right. atmosphere. And 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 that's where you see that that Max is still kind of having some trouble. You know, he 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 was he was I hate to say he was probably overmatched in the Cape this year, mm-hmm. uh, going up there. He really struggled up there. So he's got to find his bat for me to be confident enough to put him in that group of, of vying for the outfield right now. Okay. Y'all argue. I like it. Well, I think he's. I think he's. No, there's no doubt about that. No, I, I agree. think. I think with Max, it's uh, defensively. There's no. There's no concern there. No. In fact, I think the. Right. You know, he he can absolutely athletically handle center field, and so with him, I mean, with him, a big number. I think. Well, I mean, ultimately. For me, I'm more interested in what that on base percentage looks like for him because the speed is so evident and right. obvious. 
Well, uh, and he's your best option for, no for taking over the base stealing no duties that, that Gabe Holt held so well. No doubt. And 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 so then is is he on base enough to become a factor? You know, right. is he on base enough to push himself into the lineup? Or does he become the the Zach Davis tactical weapon that that subs in, pinch runs in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning in a critical key spot where a stolen base may factor in? And we saw him do this some down yep. the stretch last year. Yep. Right. And then go play defense, defense. And, and factor in that way. And so uh you know, I, I'm sure that he has uh, visions of doing more than that, of being more than that role. I think it's, I think it's in his uh, his hands. But you know, just in looking at last year, he was nowhere near the top of the at bats list. Nowhere right. near, probably tenth, twelfth on the team and at bats. But he was fifth in strikeouts at 36, and so almost a third of his plate appearances were strikeouts. Yeah. And so that and that's the real key because Max has the kind of speed that he can chop ground balls the left side of the infield and beat out enough to be problematic. And uh, combined with the button game and right. some of those things, but just for him keeping the ball out of the air and just getting contact is critical. So, and, and one guy we're not even mentioning in this outfield is last year's Game 3 Super Regional Hero. Kurt Wilson, right. So that that just you know that just shows you the depth they have right now. I think you know I don't even know if we saw Kurt play in the outfield in the fall, did no, we, guys? Right. No, little, very little, very and, little. And he was mostly on the mound, and he was the game one starter against the uh, the Rangers Futures when the when they went and yeah. played that. He started on the mound, yeah. right? And so back in pitching, I mean, maybe we should point at that for the turning point of nineteen <laughs> when Kurt Wilson well, goes to a Rudy's radio show. The whole season and, and, changes. and begs halfway begs to get in the <laughs> yeah, lineup, right. yeah. pops off. Well, I want to yeah, say what's a yeah. question. Maybe writes a question. The, the yeah, story there is. Yeah, yeah. when is Kurt Wilson going to get? Yeah, get he, a chance. Yeah, because yeah, all the all the players are there at Rudy's. You know, we're we're sitting at our normal table and they're kind of sitting behind <laughs> us. And you know, and, and Jeff is asking a question. And one of the questions is, when is Kurt Wilson going to get a shot in the lineup? And we all turn around like side Kurt Wilson. Did yeah. Wilson just ask that question? <laughs> because and, remember, and of course he's back there. They're all laughing about it. And all of a sudden the next day he's in the lineup and goes like two for three. <laughs> because remember he'd gotten a pinch hit or something the week before in a game uh-huh. and got got a hit got oh maybe just grounded out or something but yeah. but he asked the question and remember that was the night of the national championship basketball game because yeah. the team came to Rudy's and then they fed him there yeah oh, and so he that he was there and that he writes out the question on the little slip of paper the little Learfield slip and passes oh it up gosh. there and it ended up being <laughs> funny well then he goes three for five against yeah, RGV yeah. and it's a home run glorious and Kurt's always been an explosive type kid you can remember that going back to early 2018 when yep. he started hitting the two hole at the yep. very very yep. first he, of the season I think he played I think he played every defensive position except for catcher in 18, early in the season in that Oregon series. Certainly in fall he moved ball. All, yeah. Well, he moved yeah. all around in that Oregon series, yeah, over the, over, over the first couple series. I just want to take one second because you said Zach Davis, and, like, let's maintain our perspective here. <laughs> and I think I said this to you all in the parking lot or so that we were leaving that last game. You're talking about a kid that's in double in A in the Cubs organization. Yeah. They got cut from the team and brought back two weeks later and was a part of a 2014 team to go – I mean, you were at a point where you're bringing back dudes that you've kicked off the roster, bringing them back into fill holes, and now we're sitting here complaining about well, the embarrassment and, of riches this and, team has. And probably one of the more iconic moments in, in history when he stole, stole home, home against Texas. Against Texas. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I mean, yeah I, yeah, I didn't mean that at all to bag on Zach Davis. No, I didn't saying, mean that kid, either. He, great kid and, and loved him when he was here, uh, still do, you know, and, and just just over the moon about his success in, in double oh, and yeah. I'm happy for him. Uh, so, so I was just trying to draw a comparison of no, no. maybe somebody that people knew. I'm saying I always want to keep perspective as tech fans to remember 
only five years ago, yeah. we were calling guys back that we had cut off the team to fill a spot. And now you're talking about these six guys that are fast as the you know as yeah. light as lightning are out there combined for two, you know for three spots. It's just wild to me how far this program has come. Well, you know, know Texas had to time. do that last year with their catching situation. They yeah. had so many injured. They had to bring in a kid that was sitting in the stands that they'd cut in the fall. So. <laughs> you know, an interesting thing about Max, just to close the book yeah. on that. You know, he they were working with him on some vision stuff this fall and trying some different things and testing and so. You know, it would really be interesting, and, and I'm optimistic for him that if something like that, if if they're really able to find a a visual thing that helped him, uh-huh. that helps you know, that truly helps his vision in the one eye, that creates a better situation for him, and that would be tremendous. Give I mean, those, it really give, a light might switch. Give on him those for crazy him. Josh Young glasses. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, give him the skull and crossbone glasses from Major League, you know, you know for something like that. If anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about, Josh was always into every thing and gadget and and like new thing that he could do to improve his game and he had these crazy glasses that you didn't actually wear it while playing but it helped you you wore it before you batted and and it helped with maybe you took grounders with it I mean it I don't remember exactly how it it was like it cut out parts of the light spectrum and it was some sort of training aid but I remember a tweet at one point when he was uh, in rookie ball and he was standing at the fence with a bat and for 10 minutes just visualizing and going through Everything that was about to happen, and then he went up there and cranked one. You know, his yeah. first at bat as a as a. He, he's so. always been into in, about preparation in the mental right, side, right. and you can see that from from the moment he stepped on campus. And so, yeah, you know, he's you know, you know a lot of times, you know, sitting on the front row, we'll get some of the players to kind of crack, you know, with us, and, yeah, yeah, and joke with us. Not Josh. Not Josh, Josh yeah. is yeah. super focused no. all the time. We we did that a lot at first too, and we Dylan Noisy was always good for a for a booty shake or something when he was on base. But yeah, no, not Josh. Um, I did want to mention uh, as far as just physically too, Drew Baker to me looked like he is really he really toned up and put on some put on some beef over the summer. Is that is that a fair perception? Yeah, I think I think he came into he came into the, you know as a freshman and, and he was pretty you know physical right uh, you know I was I you know I noticed his arms you know his arms were kind of busting out of his sleeves sometimes mm-hmm. as a freshman and but I think you know like you said I think maybe he toned up and right. and and got rid of maybe the you know some of the freshman you know, you know the high school you know baby fat type stuff right. uh, but yeah he looked really good this fall I'm still like I said on, he was I'm still he, working on baby yeah fat. I've, 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 I've been carrying <laughs> mine for you know thirty years uh, so but yeah he looked really good in the outfield uh running around making plays uh you know the ball was jumping off his bat you know in the fall as well so yeah it's it's uh it's gonna be interesting to see where they can find him because i you know because i've liked him since since he came on campus i thought i thought he's was going to be a really good player and i remember you know in frisco he got pulled after a couple of errors uh in one of the games mm-hmm. and i was walking out right. of the stadium kind of behind them and and he was kind of in front of me so i, so I just kind of tapped him on the shoulder and said hey keep your head up keep working and and he's done that and, and i'm proud of him for that he's he's not he's not one that lets he you know he 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 lets failures drive him and, right. and i think that's one of the good things about him and one of the things i like about him is is that he has the right mindset for the game no matter no matter what the situation so let's let's kind of wrap up i mean we've as far as as far as the field goes and, and there's some names we haven't said that and some guys that we did see a fair amount of in the fall some new guys cal conley jared cushing were some guys we saw and then tj rumfeld a name that's been around the program Definitely looks the part. He's a six-five guy, but needed to have a pretty big fall, I think. And in the D one baseball fall report, Kendall Rogers wrote about him having a big fall. But what did we see 
at a at a Rumfeld, and then also Conley and Cushing or or two more. And if there's anybody else that pops into your head I, as well, I thought I really like. Of course, Rumfeld and uh, Conley are two guys that were around this spring, this past spring. Rumfeld as a as a red shirt. Well, I guess technically both as a red shirts, but Conley was a a transfer a red shirt. But uh, Cal, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, we saw so much of fall ball, George and I did, and then we missed games one and two. And I guess Cal <laughs> made an error or something, or maybe a couple errors yeah. in those first two games. And so I had had a, I had had a handful of people who only saw red black who were like, I think shortstop's going to be a problem. And I said, you know, of everything I saw, I think shortstop is not a problem. I think Cal Connolly's the shortstop. Yeah, game three, think, he looked great. Right. I think right. he's going to be, I think he's really good. Right. And I also think that Cal is, Cal in many respects, I don't want to call him a leader yet, but guys are drawn to Cal uh, just on the field. There's a lot of talk. There's just a lot. And I don't mean in a playful, you know, that kind of way. I mean, guy has a tough inning pitcher. Cal's the guy that goes over to him. Um, I was just impressed by him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I think I think he's not only the shortstop, but I think he's going to be a good one. Yeah, I think I I would agree with Gus that uh, he's probably going to be the the starting shortstop just for the you know like he like he said we saw him making plays going behind the bag and and doing the spin and turn and and making it look easy. But then like like Gus said, not only talking to like pitchers, but then you know talking to other teammates. Say, hey, what did you see there? Well, let's, mm-hmm. you know you know if if he does this, then let's do that. So I I see a lot of good leadership from him. You know the bad thing is I think Gus I think Gus said he's a he's a draft eligible sophomore. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so so you know hopefully we'll get more than one year. Worst, worst three words in college. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Oh, that's right. Exactly. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with Gus. I'm very impressed with Cal, and I think he'll be our, our shortstop going forward. Same thing. You know, the thing is, though, we, you know, we saw, especially late in the fall as, as things started winding down, you know, we started to see a lot of good things from Jared Cushing behind him at, at shortstop. And he's, a, and he's a different body type. Cal is, is kind of a is a shorter, you know, you know, stockier kind of kid, more athletic. You know, uh, Jared Cushing is, is athletic, but he's more of the tall, lanky type. And yeah. so, but uh, I think – Six what, two. Yeah, six two. One of the things we like I liked about him is is he's got a good arm over there at shortstop too. He's and he can go in the hole and and, and make a play. Uh, so I, th- I think you're probably looking at your one and two at, at shortstop there. Now as far as Rumfield goes, you know I, you know he we saw him and 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 Stillwell battling at first base all you know all fall. But I think as the fall progressed and as we got late in the fall, I think Stillwell kind of took some steps forward to kind of earn that spot. Then, you know, I'm not saying TJ would be bad there. Uh, he, he would right. be very good there. And I like, I think he's, I think he's got a really good left-handed swing. I think he's very smooth and I, and I like the way he makes contact. I just think that, that Stillwell took, you know, the necessary steps to kind of edge forward in that battle. over Right. There. Well, the bat's always going to drive it. I mean, yeah. just, just Tadlock said it plenty of times. If you can, if you can hit the ball, we'll find a place for you to stand. Exactly. So, and I think Kurt, I think Cole, excuse me, hit five, six, seven home runs this fall. I think yeah. he he was he was yeah. just in the middle of everything offensively. And uh, you know, an interesting thing about Conley, he's a switch hitter, um, yeah. and he can run. And so it'll be he could be a he could be a uh, candidate to lead off. He could also be a really interesting guy to have, and he can bunt a little bit. I mean, the bunting game's part of his deal. You'll see him push and drag and do some things, and so. Uh, you know, I could see him being the leadoff guy, or hitting hitting right there at the top one two, or you could see him being down at the very bottom and really turning that lineup yeah. over and creating some real depth, yeah, uh, and a weapon down at the bottom. And so, that, well, that's the be an that's the mo of Texas Tech over the yeah, last no few doubt. years. Yeah, I mean, no I mean, one through eight, I mean, one through nine, 
you're pushing. And so you certainly need to find those guys. So let's transition to pitchers, and we'll do it on the back of the guys we've just been talking about. There's a Midwestern invasion right now in tech <laughs> baseball. And so the, the Ohio guys, connection. That's right. Yeah. So the guys we've been talking about, uh, Cal Conley is from Mount Carmel, Ohio. Cushing's from Joliet, Illinois. And then you have a couple guys, Austin Becker, probably the less known from Sunbury, Ohio. And then my new favorite pitcher, Jacob Brostowski, is from Green, Ohio. And one of those guys turned the coaching staff onto him, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I mean, that's just a guy that's easy to call Brewski, and he is he is a just a unit on the on yeah. the mound. So, he, yeah, physically, uh, physically, yeah. And I, I think if if uh, Brewski is the right way, to, however <laughs> however that plays out, we'll see. But I think if the fans don't latch on to Brew, Brew yeah, yeah, we, we were doing good, it at yeah. game three <laughs> I mean, of the, yeah. the Red Black. You know, it's, it's it was like, so out of hand. We were we were doing we were going Brew. Yeah. yeah, I think. I mean, I think it's logical. If he comes out there, and does something good, it's kind of like good. Yeah. yeah. So we, yeah. we've got our deal there. But uh, uh, and he's a six. So he's a six two, two hundred and forty pound lefty. Here's what I'd say about him. Uh, he's he's a uh, physically a bigger physical Parker Mashinsky, not as big as Dane Havman, but uh, comparable uh, to to so- something in between Mashinsky and and Havman. Yeah. Uh, but a hard thrower. Uh, I mean, you're talking 97, 98 yeah, from the left yeah. side, and and a, a really good breaking ball. Uh, like a lot of these guys, like a lot of these big arms, you know, command being in the strike zone will be the key because mm-hmm. he he's his stuff's going to be really nasty. And uh, when he's in the strike zone, you just saw him have some quick innings. And if, I think his red black game three was a one two three and maybe three strikeouts. He was the so he was on the black side. So that was a that was a I don't remember the final. It ended in the yeah. seventh. It was like thirty to two yeah, or something. To two or yeah. yeah, and so they he, had to move some pitchers over to from red to, to cover yeah. for black. On so that he game. went he went in on the black side and got a one two three inning. I think he struck out. He struck out two. One guy went out one two three, struck out two. Another one struck out the side. I don't have my book in front of me, but um, but yeah, he had a, he had one of the few good innings from that side of that of that series. And he's a transfer guy, so he spent some time in JUCO. He's a junior, um, but a guy that I mean, it looks to me like he's going to come in and contribute. And physically, he really looks impressive. And and the reason I'm keyed in on him um, because you mentioned him early, Gus. Dane Havman chewed up more innings than anybody else last season. So that's a big guy to replace. I don't know if Brostowski's a guy that's going to do that kind of work, but having a, a powerful lefty is nice to see. Oh, absolutely. And uh, it's it's a power arm. And when you see him, it's a power body, 6'2", 240. And, uh, you know, he's, he's scaled down. It's 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 a, um, you know, it's just a little bit scaled down from where Dane was last the last couple of years. But uh, it, it, big breaking ball and just a hard thrower, big strong kid. And, you know, I think the connection with all of these Ohio kids, and of course we've got one, the Vanderbilt transfer, we can get to him in a minute, but yeah. all of these Ohio kids, I think there's a connection through that Midland summer program. And it's not Midland, Texas. There's a Midland, Midland Redskins. Ohio, yeah. yeah, the Midland Redskins, mm-hmm. I think, out of Ohio, Cincinnati area or wherever it is. But it's a team that always ends up over in uh, Farmington in the uh, – in the uh, uh, Connie Mack, Connie Mack World Series, yeah, and 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 doing well, and so Coach Coach Thomas has gotten a connection in there and got a little yeah. bit of a pipeline through two or three of these kids being transfers, and you know, and and boy, it's uh, suddenly we'll got a mid, little Midwest thing yeah. going. I like <laughs> it's it, just fine. Even Gus, like we're getting some Illinois kids in here too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I asked for questions online, and so they kind of tie in, and so uh, I'm and rather than have a question time later, which we probably will have a couple of them, I want to throw one out right now and. Um, we've talked about some of them, uh, 
Michael asked, do you think there'll be a change at catcher? Yes. I mean, not that Braxton won't be catching, but you'll have more depth there. We did talk about that. And then, um, well, and Harp chimed in and said, who has the softest body on the team after Cam got picked up? So oh, <laughs> that's just wow. hateful, man. I mean, I don't <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. I, let, let's go. Let, let me, let me clarify one thing on Fulford. Okay. Hey, Fulford's throwing this fall uh, took another step forward, and yep. he throws with a polish now that uh, is amazing to see, and that dude just continues to improve. Uh, I know that there was some conversation, you know, coming out of Omaha and, and, you know, for whatever reason, you know, that there were some struggles defensively, offensively, he was pretty good throughout the year. But you think about his game and where he was, he was one of three catchers two years ago as a yep. freshman, you know, and hit, where is he going to end up first, second or third? And for stretches of that year, his freshman year, he was the third catcher. Yeah. He got to postseason. And I mean, I he was say, flirting with Mendoza line. I mean, absolutely. he was not hitting. And, and postseason, I think he caught every inning from from Oklahoma City on because he stabilized things defensively. Yeah, and he really was. It was a nine hole hitting one seventy hitter, but it was stabilized defensively. And and we can forget about that position. Threw a couple guys out, created a threat. Last year, he established himself offensively. Ends up catching a ton down the stretch. Was he tired at the very end? Who knows? Hits a dinger in the first series yeah, no early doubt. in the season. No doubt. Yeah, big home run. Big home run against Oklahoma State down yeah. the stretch yeah. in that in that game. And uh, and so I, I, I'm just telling you, I, I think he's got a chance to be a draftable catcher this year and being nice. a, being a plus defender. And and uh, you know the, the way he threw this fall, it just jumped out at me. And so. I'm I'm not only excited about because people I I kept catching these rumbles of people go I got to get a new catcher and I'm going I'm gonna go the opposite direction tell you that the dude we got right now is gonna be as good as we've had around here Uh, and and I can I I think from from my visual perspective. Some of the stuff that people were griping about, you know, in Omaha, you know, the bad throw, you know, obviously the Florida State, you know, the 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 decision to make the throw in Florida State. From from my eye, that tells me that maybe he was trying a little too hard. Yeah. That yeah. that he wanted he wanted that win and 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 everything so bad and and they're 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 not wanting to go you know two and Q again at at uh, at Omaha or or you know not just win one. That I think he maybe he was trying a little too hard instead of letting the game come to him. He was trying to force some things. Yeah. I think, still I, a sophomore yeah. catcher. Exactly. Yeah. So I think you know you take those out. You know, and and he was outstanding. I thought the entire year defensively and offensively. And and I, and I think he'll take another step, like Gus said, uh, coming this year. So with questions, I was headed towards a pitching question, but I'll ask a different one first. I want to think about so, that soft body. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna think do, I, do I count? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey, it, it doesn't get any softer from, than over here. Was, was I mean, I answered that one with an yeah, Anchorman, yeah, an anchorman gif. I mean, that escalated quickly. Harp came, Harp came in strong, but – no, I know no. He, he's he's a he's a good follow on Twitter if anybody's not following Harp. So, um, who, Jeff asked, who do you think the newcomer of the year and the breakout player of the year will be? Let's ignore newcomer for a second, but who's the breakout player? Is that fair to say about Fulford? I feel like he broke out last year, but go well, ahead. My breakout guy still will. Yeah. Okay. I think I said that earlier, but my my breakout player I think will be still will. You know, it, at, at first base and in the lineup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. he's going to have a big year offensively, and I think he'll he'll lock himself in at first base and be there the whole time. I like it. No, no pressure. Cole. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I. Well, he's I, got a lot I, of idiots to deal exactly. with at first base. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I got to agree with Gus. I don't see you know you know I think you're, you're going to have a lot of guys that have have good seasons. I don't, but I don't see anybody. That you know from from the fall that I think will is is a better breakout candidate than Cole Steele. You know, 
but there's always somebody. There's always somebody that comes out. If I had to pick somebody other than Cole Steelwell, you do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I I might go with Tanner Trimba. I, I, I like I that. Think, uh, I, I think you know now that he's kind of gotten a taste of it and and, and stuff like that. You know, with with the way he can he can hit the ball and, and move around the outfield, mm-hmm. if he can win one of those spots in in the outfield, you know, I th- I think he could be one of those that 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 uh, takes it and and runs with it and and turns into a, a middle of the lineup power hitting guy. I think he'll get some chances. That Kentucky series was fun for us. Uh, they had a player, they had a, a freshman that was over there coaching first base, and so we ragged on him. He had a he had a mohawk, <laughs> and you know we had a good time, but he played with Otrimba. He was oh, the number. Wow. Otrimba was the number one player coming out of Colorado. This guy was number two. Okay. Well, I don't think they played the same school, but you're going to know each sure. other, right? You know? Right. And so there was a. If you remember, there was a really there was a close catch at the wall in right field. Otrimba was out there, and he was rumbling. You know, he was like about to take a panel down, and that guy turned around and kind of gave us a woo. You know, <laughs> he's faster than he looks, but we had fun yeah. with that guy. But he's, yeah. he's kind of like a diesel. It, yeah. it, 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 it takes a little bit to get going, but once he's up to speed, it's it's hard to stop him. You know, I, I like it. Right. He's got lots of torque. That's yeah. good. My back out. My my backup. Uh, um, Choice there for breakout guy might be Drew Baker. I think yeah. Drew, Drew, you know, Drew, I think Drew could be a candidate to get one of these outfield spots, possibly DH. Who knows? And then just get in there and hit and be the athlete that he is. Yeah, and steal some bags and just be a threat. I'm just gonna go with pure hope and wish. I want John McMillan to be the breakout player of the right. year. That'd yeah. be good. And so that's gonna that's gonna yeah, it'd be great if that's what happens. McMillan. Uh, passed up the draft and came back for a senior season, and so that rolls me into the other half of Jeff's question. But it, but if you throw a hundred, can you really break out? Well, you can get consistent. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> or you can. But, own- he, but he was more consistent down Certainly the stretch, was. you know, last Certainly year. I was. thought, yeah. And and I've always contended, and and you know, it's none of my business, but I'm gonna have an opinion anyway. I would love for him just to own that that closer position, just that role of just coming in as a fireball closer. But if he wants to be a starter, here's Jeff's question. Does it stay the same in 2020 as far as your rotation? What, what, or does it stay the same? What does it look like? Um, you know, is it going to be a, a, a Dallas Bonin McMillan or, or who do you guys expect yeah. to see in there? <clears throat> the Dallas Bonin thing, some combination of those two, I think is, is a no brainer. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, I think the other starter candidates, um, our our Becker, who's the big Vanderbilt transfer, and yes. he, you know he only faced hitters a couple times, right? This fall, but you could boy. see, you oh, could see, guy. I mean, you know, he's you know, first time out there, he's hitting yeah. ninety four, ninety six consistently, easy, easy, easy. with big easy time change up, yeah. breaking ball. He gets uh, whip act. He's a yeah. six five two oh five guy, right. so he kind of is just a whipping it Tall, out, slender. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that that all of that looks looks legit, and so. I know that he he's got the stuff, the three pitch attack to be a weekend guy, to be a starter. The other three that I have written down as guys that I would consider to be starting candidates: Montgomery, Dobbins, McMillan. Yeah. I'll say this about Montgomery Mason down the stretch really faded in a way that yeah, you know, he wasn't even much of a factor in the postseason or just even in the even late in, regular. Yeah. Season. I thought he would own your midweek, and then he right. ended up kind of as you said fading out. I thought he was really good this fall in a yeah. quiet way. No, nobody. I don't, I don't think a lot of people People showed up in the fall, and I'm saying just observers of the program. People yeah. like us showed up in the fall. Going, Let's see about Mason Montgomery. But I thought quietly, the dude threw a lot of strikes, gets a ton of ground balls, and like Ooh, Mason, you know, I think he interjects himself into uh, the conversation in a big way. And and 
I'm not I'm not I'm not jumping full blown into the schedule conversation. That's for later. But yeah. one thing to note about it as it relates to this pitching topic, first week is a four game week and then the next five weeks are five game weeks, starting with Friday going through the yeah. following Wednesday. Yeah. And so there's five starting spots available. Now, sometimes Tim will do the TBA thing if you use a guy on the weekend that may not be available in those midweeks. But I think the I think that this question will get answered yeah. as we as we roll through that. But uh, you know, I was impressed by Dobbins. I yeah. think the kid yes, has. I agree. I think the kid has you know a maturity about him. Uh, he throws a ton of strikes. Uh, you know, and then John Mack is John McMillan's. A, you know, he's he's the interesting case because he could be the Sunday guy. Do they want him to be a three inning? You know, guy that maybe pitches on Fridays and Sundays out of the pen in a mm-hmm. way that we saw Harp and Machinsky like a deep closer, and Patty yeah. and yeah, yeah. And, uh, I think there's a bunch of candidates. And then there was four freshmen and one freshman that they're excited about. And Brandon Hendricks did not face hitters yeah. all fall, yeah. and he's the one that you know he's the one that we kind of heard rumblings about that they may be the most impressed by and big expectations yep. and you know a three pitch guy and the stuff's legit and all that and so he you know is he a weekend starter or is he a starting pitcher candidate uh if if all three pitches work and you know can stretch and be a five inning guy yeah it's yeah i'm i'm with gus in i think i think probably that third starter at least coming out of the fall now things could change in the spring depending on who's here who 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 plays well who pitches well in the, in the scrimmages leading up to the season but right now i think probably for me the the third starter will probably come down to either uh Montgomery or or Becker and yeah. and and you know it'll depend on how healthy Becker is if if he's able to go from from you know full full bore in the spring but yeah I'm I'm with Gus I really liked what Montgomery saw you know he uh you know I think the disappointing thing about Montgomery last year was we had heard so such great things about him right as a freshman it's like oh he can come in and and start as a freshman blah 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 and and then you know you look at the you know mid season his ERA is in the sixes and yeah. you know north well north of five and so yeah he was it, so that's the disappointing part you know one of the things that you know and like you know Tim Tadlock has forgotten more about baseball since he woke up than I'll <laughs> than I'll ever know right and that's but, how I feel but what but I mean you know and I don't think Gus was there but one of the things we saw you know Hunter Dobbins started that game against West Virginia at the Big Twelve tournament. And mm-hmm. he looked really, really good for like six innings. We're like, "Hey, this may be this may be saw like our third, third starting or fourth starting deal going forward in the, in the postseason." And you never saw him, right? Know? And so I was like, "Okay, hmm." I you know, so that one that one puzzled me a little bit. Sure, uh, but I but like I said, I thought he had a good fall as well. Um, and and like I said, you know, and, and Brandon Hendricks, who his older brother pitched at A and M, is is at Sand Jack and will be here next fall. Oh, so okay. so uh so so they've got two pitchers they've got two pitchers at a, at a sand at Sandjack that Sandjack is just loaded they've got more pitchers draftable pitchers at Sandjack than than a lot of you know the top D1 division one D one schools right now and two of them are supposed to be coming here but yeah uh but yeah for me it's it's probably going to be Montgomery or Becker going forward unless somebody steps up uh in the fall to fill that or in the spring to fill that third spot so I think when you start talking about Montgomery I think it was Montgomery that came in and he went. He went, put him down in order. He struck out two, and it was Brostowski that shuck, struck out the side. And that was really the two highlights of the day from the black team. And so I think, yeah, I agree with you on that. And then you're saying as far as Becker, it's kind of like Bonin was when he came in from Arkansas. Yeah. He, we know he's got stuff. It's wait and see if he's ready 
or not. Now Montgomery's a little different. He came in as a freshman, but these guys coming from some of the best programs in the yeah. country. And it's just so interesting to me. There was a lot of shade thrown at Bonin when he made that transfer, and there was a lot of he's just not he doesn't have it. Good luck to him. He's never going to start right. for us. And then then there he is, you know, for Texas Tech and and lighten it up. And so, uh, and I mean, found his velocity and and really had man, he had a great season. So yeah, yeah, he's yeah he he's an interesting cat in that. You know he you know, he came in and and he really solidified you know the rotation a little bit, but there were times you know that, that he was like okay you know you need to shore some stuff you know he he had some bad outings too sure oh yeah and and they weren't outings that you know that so much that you know were losses or anything like that it's just they weren't they weren't as sharp as we saw him he could be so I think I think he's got to take another step too to kind of be the guy that he wants to be right to to be that draft uh you know that that high draft guy and, and be the the number one or the number two guy in the rotation this year I think he's like a lot of a lot of the guys that we're bringing in now hard throwers plus arms that um that as they evolve and develop they become they they have better command they walk less they throw more strikes and then become more and more dominant you know uh cuz Trey think about think about where uh, excuse me think about where Bonin was Bryce in his first start last year and get out of the first inning yeah. against Oregon. Yeah. And it ended up being a big comeback win on day two after losing on Friday. You know, right. it's kind of some drama there immediately. Once he settled in, he was pretty good. And there were stretches uh down the stretch where he was he was as good as anybody. Uh he was outstanding against DBU, dominant against DBU, if I remember correctly, it was the yeah. shutout the shutout win, the three to nothing win, I think was his game, wasn't it? I think that so. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. And uh and you know, just so we watch that guy get better throughout the year, and where you know where does Becker fall? Does Montgomery? How, however, however that shakes out, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. But boy, there's you know it, it, these guys appear to be like a lot of what we're seeing now. You know, the Red Raiders are going out and getting big arms, and then the, the command they evolve into their command in, in a way that creates. Uh, you know, you know, a really formidable pitching staff, and and like Gus said, you know, there's going to be five straight weeks of five games. You know, does does a Kurt Wilson factor in there? Right, yeah, no sure. Doubt. I, sure. I think I think you know I, I well, wrote it down, and as we're forgetting my, about Connor Queen as well. Absolutely, and I wrote down my starting pitching candidates and my relief pitching candidates, and I've got Sublette, Wilson, Beater, Queen, Brustowski, Reekman, Casillas, more pen type guys. That's not to say they can be on the other right. side, but they just sure. feel like. You know they've they've always worked out of the pen and they feel more like two pitch guys and uh, you know the good part three left handers in that list. Uh, I thought Reekman th- threw a bunch this fall. It seemed like every time I went out there to watch scrimmages this <laughs> fall, he was out there and yep. uh, he looks like he's a competitor. I mean, just you know JUCO guy with some savvy and good stuff. And um, you know I, I just think he'll be a guy that pitches a bunch. You know Queen is an interesting guy in that you know we only saw him for like, what about a third of the season. The last third of the season because he had had an injured hand, right? Uh, you know, for for a lot of part. And so once he got over that, once he got in and got around to pitching and 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 doing his thing, you know, he was really good. He added more depth to that bullpen. So if he can come back and do that as a junior now, you know, he could he could be that guy that that you know that you always see like the Taylor Floyd's or you know yeah. you know so, so, you know the the one guy that always kind of comes and takes that next step and and is your 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 key shutdown guy maybe in the seventh eighth into the ninth inning he can go three. He he can go one to give you whatever you need at the time. Man, I had a 
a pretty cool moment with Taylor Floyd's dad. I got to sit with the around the families and players and stuff at the series, and his dad was up there, and he is a large man, like bodybuilder kind of guy. And, uh, man, he was just tearfully thankful of what Texas Tech had meant to them in so short a time. And, of course, of course, Taylor had a great season. But I thought that was pretty neat to see that about the program. And you were right. So that, that shutout game for DBU, Bonin went seven. Uh, obviously, shutout innings, had three hits and seven Ks. He had two walks. And then McMillan, yeah, that was yeah. McMillan's big outing. He that came in and, and closed it out with the two. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah, that, that had to be a devastating uh, – night for dbu just in the sense that they pitched really well only give up the three runs the three run homer to cam in the first inning and then had to deal with those two arms as good as they were just filling the strike zone up with dominant big big arms that you know just (laughs) that had to be a had to be kind of devastating because that was also a sunday night saturday night crowd can't remember and then the regional what that would be but it was a it was a late afternoon evening game and the place was juiced yeah you know good weather big crowd and that place was rocking yeah. in there i thought yeah that one started at six thirty. Yeah. yeah yeah and yeah. and you know dbu's because we'd have lost we'd have come back and played the if necessary again the next day and you know yes. dbu's ro- you know rocking some confidence because they had just beaten florida in the first yeah. in the first round of that of that regional twice. two yeah. twice and so yeah, so you, so that was that was just tremendous, you know, what those guys were able to do in shutting that 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 had, that was a really good lineup that DBU had and, and shut them down for both games. Yeah, they're always, as I said, I hate playing DBU. <laughs> they're always <laughs> tough. All right, before we transition and talk about schedules or anything else, we're forgetting anybody we're not talking about. And I did have the questions we talked about breakout player. I, I'll go back to those questions. I had a couple folks ask, you know, who's your newcomer of the year? Oh yeah, um, um, that's some combination of D- Dylan Carter, Kyle Connolly, and Jace probably for me. Yeah. Um, of course, I'm yeah. I, I would probably put the position guys uh, as more of the newcomers than even even uh, unless a Becker or somebody does something crazy. Sure, good, but yeah. Uh, and and you know the <laughs> we were talking about this. We joked about this through the fall, and it's a it's a fair question to ask. And by the way, I've got an answer for Harpin. Okay, well. perfect. <laughs> uh, I'll tweet it out in real time. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> but I think the because we were talking about who we were sitting up there in fall ball one day and and, and said who's going to lead the 2020 Texas Tech baseball team in home runs, and there was a lot of lot of questions. Where this time last year, you know, we would have. Probably all fallen to Cam, Cam. Warren or Josh. Young. Josh sure, you know? yeah. We would all done that. Now with this team, you go. Oh, that's a great question because the playing time could be. You know, who, who's going to get in the lineup every day in a way that you're confident saying right now. And that, and that was the the challenge. If you answer, if you ask that question right now and had to write your answer down, and that was it. Yeah, you're basically having to ask that around. Well, whoever I pick's got to be in the lineup. Yeah, every day. yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it, it's an interesting thing. Um, but that you know, so that that's that's a big question. So the the newcomer question could be yeah. any one of those three guys. It felt like to me that Jace is going to be out there all the time. I think Cal's going to yeah. be the starting shortstop. It feels like Dylan Carter's going to play a lot, but I, you know, we'll we'll have to see. But sure, I, those are those are yeah. the three. For me. And and to kind of go along with it, depending on playing time, you might be able to throw Ron back in out there too. So, Absolutely, but but yeah. but like you said, like he said, it's going to all depend on playing time. How much are these guys going to play? And 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 that's the scary good thing that, that when you think about it is like you're you're sitting there you can't figure out who's going to be your home run leader because you don't know who's going to be in the play and it's not because 
they're they're bad is because you've got that many guys that are that good. Yeah. And there's gonna be yeah. that kind of competition. And that and I think that's the true measure of what Tim has built in this program is that, you know, this is truly not a rebuild, it's a reload, even though what you lost. Year after year yeah. now. Yeah, it's impressive. All right, well let's transition a little bit and we'll talk to harping us, Connor Queen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to blow past that. Well there you go, Ty. There you if, go. If Havman was here, I would probably go with him. Oh yeah. He's gone. Man, the only re- really I mean, I love Connor Queen. I love the hair. The only reason I want him to pitch more is to watch him run out of the bullpen. Oh no I mean, you know. <laughs> Well, but the problem is he cut the hair. Well, it'll be back though. Yeah. So, because he donated it, yeah, yeah, he donated yeah. it. So, so he'll grow it out again and donate it again. Yeah. That's, that's cool pretty cool. Story, yeah. yeah, if y'all don't know about that, Connor Queen, was it a cousin, a cousin or niece, cousin or niece? Like yeah, so yeah, it was a relative. Yeah, had a relative that uh, that battled cancer, and so you know, a lot of people hear about locks of love, and they think that locks of love makes wigs for long term hair loss. Pantene Beautiful Links, specifically for cancer patients, lose their hair for treatment, things like that, chemotherapy. So Connor Queen cut his hair off. He had grown it out long, not just for the style, but to uh, to cut it off and donate it, which I thought was pretty cool. And so we'll see him do it again. But yeah, definitely a look, different looking dude when he comes out there with yeah. it all yeah, cut down. Yeah, we we showed up at fall one day and we're looking over the duck and said, "Who's the new guy over there?" Yeah. <laughs> no doubt, we truly no beard, did. no hair. We're like until he, he started throwing, they were yeah. like, "Oh, all right, oh, oh, it's Queen, okay." Yeah. <laughs> Yelling at all the freshmen. <laughs> <laughs> But the thing about that is, and we saw that with some of the other players, there, there was some good-natured ribbing out there, and I, and I think that's going to kind of go to the chemistry. It led to some competition. You know, Some pitchers were getting on hitters, yelling at bitters, and, and, and hitters would yell at pitchers right back. And yeah. so, and so that, that competition will create chemistry come the spring. So maybe this is a dumb question to ask because it was really the most successful season in the history of Texas Tech baseball. I mean, all the way you went, sure. you went to the Final yeah, Four teams in, in the – yeah, you get two wins in the – in the conference World Series, you're a conference yeah, champion, exactly. But early in the season, we kind of kept hearing this team doesn't have the chemistry that they had in 18. They're kind of sectioned off in smaller groups of friends and things like that, where the other team was really kind of a big group. And obviously, it didn't end up hurting things. And that, that's the kind of stuff you talk about right. when before you move Josh Young to shortstop and everything <laughs> the, turns. You know, when things are working, well, yeah, when yeah, things exactly, were struggle a little bit. But but uh, so, what have you seen? this season as far as how they're interacting and it goes to what you're just saying george i mean is is the chemistry a little bit better slash different from from 18 well i mean or 19 yeah i i i don't know if i've seen anything that that tells me they don't have chemistry sure um you know but you know like i said you know you know i at the at the end of the day you know i think they all realize that they're wearing the same name on the on the front of the jersey right um so you know but you know chemistry is a, is a funny thing is it it depends on the leaders you have it can depend on how many seniors you have it can it can depend on how many how many freshmen or new you know newcomers you're right. playing so that so chemistry is kind of a fragile thing that i don't know if you really know whether you have it or not until you start getting out on the field and playing yeah um you know from my you know view in the stands, the thirty thousand foot view in the stands, whatever you want to call it, you know, I I don't see anything that tells me they don't. Sure. So and and it, it seems like they're they're loose and they like to get out there and they like to practice, they like to play, they like to get better. Um, you know, and and the, you know, there's there's good there's good conversation between pitchers and hitters and and everybody. So I don't see anything you know that that tells me they won't have it you know this season. Absolutely. And I also think the. I mean, this is just my take on it from really all sports teams. But um, I, I think 
chemistry can be one of those. Does good chemistry lead to success or does success lead to good chemistry? Yeah. I think they're, those are very chicken and egg type things. I think that sometimes, especially early in seasons, during during basketball, when basketball's still going and baseball's a little bit of a check-in on the scores and mm-hmm. kind of dabble with the team a little bit. How do we do in Frisco kind of stuff? Download Dinger Derby. Yeah, and so when, when things, <laughs> you know, when you don't, when you go lose two games of Frisco and you struggle and, in in, you know, ultimately win the San Diego State deal, but yeah. you know, it takes a late-inning heroics and says, hey, what's wrong? I thought this team was almost – you know, and so then I, I think then – you know, observers, casual observers, fans of the program start looking for some mystical quality that's not there. And you know what I heard? So and so, and so I, sure. you know, I think I think that those kind of chemistry things, without some glaring problem, they're never as big as what it it seems like from the outside. Right. We we as outside, and there's a time when I'm with the team and on the bus, and so I do get to be around a little bit. But I think generally speaking, I'm not. But we people on the outside want to look for something and go, oh, you know, they've either got great chemistry or they've got bad chemistry. And the reality is it's it's somewhere in here in an acceptable place on the bell curve, and yeah. we're going to be fine. And there are a bunch of chemistry's col- not going to get you beat. It, it can get you beat, but I'm saying the chemistry generally, Tim Tadlock's not going to allow it to be something that's full of negatives right. and all right. that stuff in a way that our chemistry got us beat. A bunch of college kids yeah. getting to know each other still. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, trying if, to play if, baseball you know, together. Tim, I think, can kind of give you a clue sometimes, you know, during the season, during press conferences or whatever, if he'll say, you know, when he's talking about, you know, I like watching the kids play, you know, we like watching them compete, we like watching them get, you know, they, yeah. they go out there and do a good job of getting better each day, you know, Teams with bad chemistry don't do that. Teams with bad sure. chemistry get out there and, and lollygag, and they don't get better, and they and they don't like being around each other. If these kids are getting out there and competing against each other and, and doing that, then then the chemistry is a fine. Right. I, I mean, I would my my takeaway at least from the press conferences and the thing down the stretch to echo what you're saying, George. I thought they, I thought. Tim might have pointed to last year's team as being one with exceptional chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, just some high character dudes and key spots on the mm-hmm. team, and uh, you know that that had had a wonderful, wonderful you know chemistry and and joy to be around on a daily basis and stuff. Because Tim seemed to bring that up more last year than he had ever before. Well, and I don't think, and, and you know, I'm not going to overstate and say never or they're the best right, or whatever, sure. but. You know, I don't think that you could look at them and say they had bad chemistry or they didn't like each other, or whatever some of those conversations were early, because they came, overcame so much adversity together in games and and over the season. There was a lot of there was a lot of things. There was a lot of of heart. And I'm not talking about people dying. And I saw a tweet, you know, saying let's just agree that losing a game doesn't right, equal adversity. Right, well, sure. it does. It's all relative. The, it does within the context of the game. And so, oh, you know, coming back at San Diego or overcoming a. a you know, a tough start and some of that stuff and things not exactly working or your star not hitting or whatever. I mean, a team's not going to do that if they're not playing together and, and getting along and working. Well, and, and Gus said it, best, said it best. It's kind of a chicken in the egg thing to success breed chemistry or chemistry breed success. Think about it. You know, most people that were that were bellyaching about, you know, this team just doesn't look like it has good chemistry or doesn't look like it has it. That mostly came before – 
before they moved Josh to shortstop. Yeah. Once they moved Josh to shortstop, everything started clicking. Everything took off, and suddenly this team has great chemistry. Yeah. And before everything fixed two yeah. years ago, yeah. <laughs> lit on fire. You know, it's amazing how it's ama- wow. it's ama- it's amazing. all of a sudden the chemistry's great. Yeah, yeah. when they're dogpiling and. Throwing water on each other, yeah. yeah. Winning, you know, <laughs> that amazing. Their chemistry you, you, you is great. You sweep three or four series, right. and suddenly the chemistry Everything's is amazing. fantastic. Well, yeah, that was Life to my great. point earlier. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. right. Yeah. I think the, you you just you keep grinding. I mean, it, and this is the, the old player in me thinks about this sort of thing is it's a long season. You keep grinding. You keep showing up every day. You know, you keep trying to make conscious efforts to improve and do things, and then you know, and then the, the stuff shakes out because. We look back at 2017 as the only team that didn't get, you know, out of a regional and, you know, recently mm-hmm. and losing that regional at home and all. That team was, in many respects, Loaded. as good as any yep. as any team, any of these five or six teams going back to 2014. And, and you know, it just didn't work for them. And that's, that's sort of how it is. If you're going to be really good year in and year out, that, that sort of things that happen. I mean, it's just a function of being good and being in competitive situ- situations year after year after yep. year. But we would look back, observers would need to look back and assign a problem to what happened in 2017. Oh, well, you got you, beat. You, you hit got a junk baller that threw 250 pitches that weekend. Exactly. Yeah, I mean. and, he, and he did that with a six ERA, mind you. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing that gets revised in people's minds when the little lefty, he, he got key outs for them in key spots those two days in a row when, when Sam Houston beat us. But you go back and look at his line. Just look at—he was the MVP of the regional, and he had a six, six ERA. ERA. Yeah, and so it's not like, well, we never do good against left-handers. I always talk about this. There's some, <laughs> there's some real confirmation bias because fans. I say this all the time. Georgia Survey say this. You know, when when a little left-hander goes out there and beats us, and it'll happen once a year, just because you face a lot of little. Sure, uh, we always have trouble with little left-handers. But do we? Yeah. Okay, because, because here's the question. If you go out and you He's fired beat, up now. If you go out and beat five out of six little left handers, you don't even think about it. All right. Yeah. You don't even think about it. You just yeah. walk out and go, Well, we won eight to three today. It's the one you lost to. Yeah, yeah, it's the one because you think about it well, nobody ever walks out of there and goes, you know, we always struggle against really tall right handers. Yeah. You know, and then <laughs> because you don't look for it. And yeah. so people look for oh, we always have trouble against the no, we don't. We don't. We we do just fine against little left handers. It's just that when one does something good, everybody chirps about it and notices it. Oh, that was that was it was brutal though. Oh, it was yeah. absolutely. <laughs> you I, think about it. There was a couple of those big, those key innings because what would happen every inning? You know, we'd get a couple guys on, we get two on, two out, and yep. I remember one time specifically, Grove flew out to the track. I mean, it wasn't a dramatic catch, yeah. but the dude just backs up and he's got his back against the wall, left field, makes a catch, and you're like. Man, you know, one little gust of wind and that and history's changed. Of course, yep. you could, we could probably go back and find other instances of way. Yeah, one know, like, one little gust of wind and and Devin Conley doesn't catch that ball, right. and who knows what happens in twenty fourteen. That's right. So yeah, it that's is right. a it is a game what, of literal inches. That's what's fun about it. I'll never forget that uh, we ragged that first base coach all weekend, and he was great about it and good natured, and you know, gave us some thumbs up when we asked him if he liked tacos and whatever. And at one point, uh, and I'm not going to remember exactly who they were. But somebody we we'd pulled a pitcher and you bring another guy in. They're warming up, and it was it, I think it was McMillan coming in, and he turns around and he goes, "Do all of your guys throw over 90? We're like, "This guy throws a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's the year that you had just watched him go go mano a mano, you know, on that on that Friday night TCU loss yeah, against yes. uh, yeah, Luke and Luke Baker, and, Baker. And, and strike him out, you know. So you know the other mano mano for John. Think about one of his 
first outings in a Red Raider uniform was at Minute Maid against uh, um, a Dykeman. Dykeman, yeah. Dykeman from LSU. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was uh, – it was a 97, 98, 97, 98, 97, 98 to get Dykeman. And Dykeman was a third-round pick. LSU, that was with the game on the line. The bases are loaded. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I was thinking second, third, whatever. Yeah. Base. So it's key, critical spot. Yeah. Big spot. John came in and blew that dude's doors off. Doors off. Four That's a pitches. second or third round hitter and a guy who's on prospect list yep. now. In fact, yeah. I think he played for the middle of the Rockhounds this year. You're going – I mean, of course, that's also when a guy's been around for four years, you start to go, man, that seems like a long time ago. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but, you know, Josh has had a couple of those moments like yeah. Luke and Baker and Dykeman that you go, ooh, that was some big boy. Well, stuff and right the super, there, his man. super regional in the in 18. You know, I mean, he's had, yeah. Absolutely. Well, you're talking about it in individual bats. Yeah, I'm he's talking about individual He's had big bat. moments, oh, yeah. too. Yeah, sure. All right. Well, let's jump in. We'll talk a little bit about the schedule and then, and then wrap this thing up. We're going to end up with a couple episodes here anyway, so it's good. So – as as we have, um, you know, you've seen this team start with a four game series this year. A little bit different, kind of going round robin with Houston Baptist and Northern Colorado to start off. And I'm just kind of rolling through. You guys hop in with sure. with particulars about these about these opponents if you want to. So once again, you have a season. All Power Fives are represented. Several teams that were in Omaha with you last year, you'll be playing them. But Houston Baptist and Northern Colorado start off on Valentine's at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Do not play a doubleheader that day. Those two teams will meet each other that night, and then you follow up. You do have a doubleheader Saturday with Houston Baptist first, then Northern Colorado. They play each other again on Sunday, and then you play uh, Northern Colorado Sunday night. And then you immediately go to tourney play, and you go to the Round Rock Classic. So same company that puts together Frisco, but this year Round Rock Classic. So that's got Tennessee, Stanford, and the University of Houston. And that So you're going Friday, Saturday, Sunday against those teams in that order at uh, at Dell Diamond, where the uh, Round Rock Express plays. Go ahead. Yeah, one thing I'd say about that, you mentioned the same company. The, of course, the Sunday game last year was weathered out. Oh, no. you know, yeah. It was just brutal cold, the two yeah. that got played. Yeah, was... You've still got your ticket stuff from last last yep. year's Sunday game at Frisco. You can exchange it for one of the, for one of the games nice. down there. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I still have mine. They sent me an email yep. back, you know, like like during right. sometime in the summer and said, hey, you can start renewing now for if you, if you miss one of those games. But, the, you know, you talk about about that first weekend and then the subsequent weekends you've got you got the round rock then you've got the 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 three games at florida state yeah then you got the three games at rise the thing i like about it is this is you i think you've got just enough newness in your in your team that this first weekend gives you a good way to evaluate yeah uh you know what you have you know as, as far as players and and who's going to step up when the lights come on right because because then you start to get into the really good rpi part of your of your non-conference schedule after that yeah i agree i mean last year you start with a tough opponent a power five opponent in, in oregon a couple years ago though you start off with maine right and so you do have a tune-up and i think you went four games with maine specifically but this time you get to see a little bit more of of what you got and i agree with you george and so then that's february 21st through 23rd tennessee stanford houston at the round rock classic and then you go a midweek a two-game midweek at home against southern the jaguars and then you have a a one-game friday with florida atlantic that's in tallahassee and then you go two games saturday sunday with florida state so big opponent and a hilarious moment last year by the way with with uh, uh mike martin talking about you know Tadlock wasn't welcome to come back while he was coaching out there after after Tech went out and beat him. But you know, are you ready 
and you know we're just looking ahead into the crystal ball here but are you ready on the road that's a big test there to walk into yeah. against against yeah. the Seminoles and their in their house yeah that'll be a Saturday night game too or Saturday at, it'd be five o'clock central so six o'clock there yeah. in Tallahassee and so that'll be a that'll be a prime time environment and uh you know, I noticed uh, one of the prospect lists, top 100. Wait, hold on. Did you already check the schedule to see if you're on the call for that one? I, I, I do believe I am, <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't think basketball's done by the end. Yeah, well, no, that that's exactly. That would have been my first in, check. I haven't done it in specific in a specific way, but in a very general way, we're, we're, I think we're still doing the same thing. And so uh, I think I'll get to be on that call, but I'm looking forward to that. But, yeah. Uh, uh, the, the, I believe Florida State has the number nineteen prospect in in you know in a top one of the top one hundred lists, and it's a pitcher. So it'll be interesting to see if they set you know how they set their rotation. If he's a Saturday guy going against us in that Saturday night deal, you know how right. how that'll work. But uh, that'll be a prime time situation. It really will. And and uh, you know the Florida Atlantic will probably be no slouch. I don't know specifics yeah. about them, but you usually look at those Florida mid majors and. As they're pretty, usually in a regional yeah, somewhere in exactly. Florida. Exactly, yeah. they're usually pretty tough, and so uh, you know that. But that Florida State thing jumps out at me, and of course the the big news there, obviously, Coach Martin retiring, replaced by his son Mike Martin Jr. And so uh, you, you know, but the, Tim and Tim and uh, Florida State, I guess, kind of hit it off in 2016. Certainly, when we went out there and you know shoved those two makeup games in there and went out there and had some success, and then playing against those guys in Omaha last year, Coach Martin, you know, and, and Tim, yeah. you know, just <laughs> chatting it up the way they did, yeah. have a little bit of fun. It'd be interesting. Two, two good old boys. Oh, yeah, yeah. that no absolutely doubt. was. If those two – and two two guys that like to golf, that'd be yeah. the fun yeah. They would play golf. It'd be fun to <laughs> hang around with them when they played. But uh, I, I'd be curious to know if they're – you know, how that that Florida State thing there came to be. But, uh, you know, it's it's uh, definitely an interesting thing, a well, focal point in the schedule. Well, and we got the teaser last year. You know, the yeah. schedule came out last year, and, and immediately Coach Tadlock said, I mean, you like this one, wait till you see next year. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you know, they had some, some things figured well, out. And, and Gus kind of touched on it. You know, we talked early in the podcast about how – how uh, you know how there's defining moments in the season? Well, he sure. mentioned it. You know, we we had those two makeup games with Florida State. Yep. We go out there and and split those games, and and that turns into the sweep at Oklahoma State. Yep. And from there, 2016 took off. So yep. so I'm I'm sure that you know that between you know 2016 and and last year at the World Series that that Coach Tadlock and and the Coach Martins. Have, yeah. have been able to develop a, a pretty good <laughs> the relationship. Martin. I just hope it's something recipro- reciprocal and we can get them out here. That'd yeah, absolutely. No yeah, no, yeah. I agree with you. Since you mentioned it, anything stick out in your head for 14? What was the turnaround in 14? Was it stealing home? Well, I, I would tell you that it was – It was. I mean, it, I don't know that there was a – well, because we lost that game. You know, we yeah. lost the game we lost we stole home. Game. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't think you ever were – you never turned around and took off. I mean, you just yeah. you just battled and clawed your I, way into a, a college a, world series. Yeah, it was a decent team. I think the I think the magical moment for that team was winning in the regional. Yeah, yeah. maybe a little bit late to point to a turnaround or no, the moment. Yeah. But those guys going out there and pitching as well as they did yeah. throughout that regional and even going to the if necessary game and having a guy throw a three hit shutout and this and that. I mean, I, I thought With that a sore was arm. Yeah, that was where the the you know the so win, free goot that was the moment the win. Free, yeah, yeah. yeah no, 
but, but, win I mean, beneath but, their I mean, wings. But yeah. I mean, Gus had it right. You know, not only winning that regional because luckily enough I was able to be there. That was my last regional with the AJ. But you know, up the road in in Gainesville, mm-hmm. you know, College of Charleston is the four seed and they're beating U of F. Yeah, up there. So you know, the stars in, in, are aligned. The stars aligned for that yeah. team because I remember. You know, that's you know, I took I I committed to my new job. While I was while the season was still going and, and had June first as my start date because I thought okay this team will go to regional it'll be a nice end of the season good building block move on to fifteen well they win the regional and I still got to start my job and, then they, <laughs> and, then, and that team was so good at home remember that team was so good at home yeah. in twenty fourteen yeah. yeah. that we're all thinking holy crap we're going to host a regional and this team does not lose at home right so everybody started thinking ah, here we go here we go this could be it and and sure enough it was so, yeah. so i think i think that i think the fact that the stars line for that team and that team was so good at home everything just kind of came together right there in the yeah. full season all right so you mentioned florida atlantic as far as their quality they're 37 rpi at least that was the last time that that it was updated on d1 uh, but they were 22 and 8 in conference usa last year 41 and 21 they went they went one and two in the Athens regional. So they beat Mercer, lost to Florida State, and lost to Georgia. Now they got they got whipped pretty hard by both. Guarantee um, you they got a Friday guy. Yeah. Yeah. Guarantee you yeah. they got a Friday yeah. night yeah. guy Absolutely. that would love to beat Texas. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the thing, and I think the basketball team is is learning it right now. This baseball team is used to it. You're everybody's Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, and, and you've got to be prepared to to come out and play, especially in those one game shots. Okay, so uh Florida State, then you come back and you've got a two week uh, a two game midweek and and you said all these five game weeks you know in early in the season you got a two game midweek against UNLV here in uh, in Lubbock and then renew a Southwest Conference rivalry and this is one of the coolest ones that we kind of heard trickle trickle through before everything came out officially was host Rice again in Lubbock in a three game and that Friday night game will be a six thirty and so I think that's going to be a cool series and a team that. The star, the, the luster's off a little bit from the the College World Series days for Rice, but still a solid program that yep. you're going to be yep. bringing in from the Wayne Graham era. Yeah, and, you know when you think about the Texas Tech program really emerging in the mid '90s and getting going, and their ascension was happened at the same time as Rice, and really happened at the end of the Southwest Conference. Rice went their way, Tech, you know, went our way into the Big Twelve, but uh, even to the heights that. Uh, to which Tech ascended, Rice went to higher. You know, went to Omaha several times, won at once, and uh, you know what Wayne Graham built down there was special. And so, uh, yeah, if, if you've got, if you, you can t- you're going to be able to tell who the long time, the long time Texas Tech baseball fans are because they're going to be the ones that are going to walk into that Rice series with a little bit of Ooh, a yeah. little bit of uh, edge about them. It <laughs> won some revenge from '97 and '99 yeah. when. Rice didn't beat Tech in '97, but they won that regional and they they swept Tech in '99. You know, won the last two games of that regional and really cut their hearts out. And so, and then beat them in in 2000, 2000 down in Houston yeah. and 2002. And you know, and, so, and that's been the old that's been the old joke is ever since '99 we could never get Rice to come back to love it. They escaped with those two wins. Right. And it's like we're never come. You know, Wayne Graham would never come back here. Yeah, yeah. I think in my mind, Rice replaces Wichita State. In this yeah, season's schedule, that's right. That's, because I think you know, we'll, we'll get there in a minute, but I think Minnesota replaces Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Rice, just to to build on kind of what you guys were talking about, they've had seven College World Series appearances since 1997. The most recent was 2008, and then um, they've got 
doing math on the fly here, 11 regional championships and then multiple tourney appearances that go back even a little bit before 97. So they're a solid team. And, I mean, of course, one that won it all in 2003. So a solid program, even if you see changes in faces and personnel and things like that, you know, that's a name that comes with a little cachet. Like Wichita State, that's the reason Absolutely. I make that comparison. Absolutely. But they've been down a little bit longer. Well, and I if, I, if I remember, have. I read this week, I think, it's like Jose Cruz's son. Yeah, Trey Cruz. Trey Cruz is like is like is like a top fifty type prospect yeah. on that team. And he was a good player in the Cape this summer. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. So and then a big one. <laughs> you you're going to Biloxi, Mississippi, and playing Mississippi State in a two game midweek, a Tuesday, Wednesday, March tenth and eleventh. So what? I mean, crystal ball. But what do you expect in that game? It's going to be a huge atmosphere. There, it always is there. You know, that's. That's a split yeah. and be happy. That's a. Well, yeah, I mean, I would. I would probably think so. Um, I mean, we you know we saw Mississippi State last year at Frisco. Yes, and they had the they had the talented freshman. That is his name. Yeah, JT Ginn. JT Ginn. Thank yeah. you. Uh, who was who was absolutely phenomenal in that game he pitched against us. So you know they'll have him. Uh, you know you know coach is it, I think is it Lamonis? Yes. Is there, yeah, coach Lamonis has has done a really good job getting that program back up to yeah. to. to CWS caliber really quick and you know of course they've got you know probably the Taj Mahal of college baseball stadiums sure. in the country right now so it's a, probably a good thing we're playing in Biloxi and and not there in Starkville you right. know maybe, maybe you know and, and don't have to be awed by that part but yeah that's going to be you know I would expect you know that that's going to be two really really good games that's probably going to draw a lot of national attention you I'm know, glad you said that I didn't I wasn't connecting that in my head I hadn't read Biloxi before yeah you're not going to be at Duty Noble Field no, right. which nope. which has a capacity of over fifteen thousand, yeah. you're yeah. going to be. Where are you? Where are they? Biloxi's in a double. That's a double. Okay, it's a double A park. Oh, down MGM yeah. Park. Okay, yeah, down. Then you can see the the Gulf of Mexico past the outfield. Yeah. From oh, that cool. Part. It's yeah. a double A park. Big. Uh, you know, that's that's a big uh, kind of casino area down there. Gotcha. From what yeah. I understand. So, uh, but yeah, it's, I don't know who who plays in. Biloxi, who calls it their home field, but it's a, a definitely a double A ballpark. So I'll look for that. Be for a cool, you real quick. cool setting. It'll be a lot like Frisco, yeah. certainly, and a lot like Round Rock. Um, and then you walk into Big Twelve play. Yeah, I, I mean, right then you walk off a, a two game road trip and go right into Big Twelve. Again, play. it's just like last year that that we we you know start the opening weekend of spring break. That's opens. the Biloxi Shuckers. There you go. By the yeah, way, absolutely. There you go. And uh, open open uh, spring break with Big Twelve play, and then come back on the back end of spring break with the final non conference. So you know we really jump right into our open week. So that. you you host West Virginia this year, who do not still have. Alec Manoa, who's moved on into uh, into pro ball, so a little bit different look there with that West Virginia squad, which has been salty. I mean, a salty team that was, you know, the the storyline's still there. It's a school that almost cut their baseball program, and now you have Coach a Mazie team. does a good job. He does, yes, he does, he does. And then you head uh, into Albuquerque, and you always end up playing uh, New Mexico, and Coach Birmingham does great job out there and so uh two game midweek on the tuesday wednesday spring break yep. yeah that's the spring break series in, in uh, albuquerque and so that's uh you know i'm sure gus's favorite to do radio you get to sit in the stands and call college baseball games are the are the mang brothers the still there is mama mang the one, still gonna be the younger mang will still be there yeah so you get so, to hear yeah. mama mang yell like a i don't know like she's calling in the cows or something <laughs> throughout the game <laughs> sitting right next to to gus and jamie if that's who's there and then uh, you host Minnesota. And so here's the interesting thing about March, too. You're home every weekend. 
And so uh, you're hosting Minnesota in a three-game series Friday su- Friday through Sunday, and that's an interesting Big Ten opponent too, and I'm going to pull them up a little bit. but Minnesota with the Team USA arm, one yeah. of the Team USA pitchers on that club, so that's uh... – So he'll be going out. Yeah, he'll be well, going out in his first Friday guy. Yeah. Well, I was about to say he'll be he'll be going out with an injury in the first week because they yeah, overpitched like, him. Uh, like, well, that's what happened to Oregon this time last year. We we're having a similar conversation, yeah. and yeah. Uh, they did have an injury. In fact, that guy will be back. Um, can't think of who it is, but the the Oregon guy that pitched an inning or two here. Yeah, he kind of had a weird name. Yovan. Yovan something. Yeah. Right? yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, Kenyon Yovan, I Kenyon think. Yovan, I think he's yeah. the one that was hurt last yeah. year. Yes, he yeah. pitched the one inning. Well, because here, he got he a medical a, and it'd be a fifty or six. Because he was a two way guy. He was on yes. our older list. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Well, he, uh, I believe he's the one that that didn't pitch again after his time. I love right. him. He's back on the roster this year, but that's that's who will be here the following uh, following midweek after Minnesota. So Minnesota, not a tournament team last year, but. 29-27, 15-9 in the Big Ten, RPI at 60. I mean, a quality Power 5 opponent it's still. Two years ago, a super regional team. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So then you do renew the series with Oregon, but in a midweek this time, and it's in Lubbock again, and that's a, a Tuesday, Wednesday on March 24th and 25th, and then back on the uh, back at home again in March on the, against the Big 12 with K-State coming in to Lubbock Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So – you can't complain. They're not the best opponents in the in the conference. Obviously, you had a lot of those last season. West Virginia is a good one to have at home, but then you have K State coming in before you start getting yourself out on the road in the conference. Well, and the thing to remember about Oregon in that midweek is is Oregon has a new coach this year. You know, Horton stepped down after last year, so they so that you know they could be a pretty they might be a different team than what we saw. Sure, Espe- you know, and especially being in in mid March, mid to late March, rather than the first season. You know, you know they're 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 I, I could they could be a completely different team than what we saw here last year. They had coach from Purdue went went yeah. out to Oregon. Yeah. Well, and they were a team that was kind of a dark horse pick last year. I mean, early in the season, there was a lot of folks thought it was going to be a breakout year for them, and turned out not to be. But they still beat you in your opening yeah. day game. Yep, I mean. Hold out. So, never they know who they weren't intimidated by the environment. No, no, they, they were not. No. They were not. Uh, and as you said earlier, or maybe it'll be last episode, depending on how I cut this thing. You know, Bonin <laughs> struggled. You know, yeah. coming out of the gate. Yeah, so, you got a one game in San Antonio against UTSA. You see those guys pretty often. And then and that's you, a Wednesday midweek. Yeah, you know, on April first. Yeah. So, I assume that means the travel will then be tied in from from San Antonio straight. Yeah, to go Stillwater. straight to Stillwater. Stillwater yeah. So skip my birthday, no playing on April second, uh, and then straight to Stillwater <laughs> right. for Oklahoma State, the third, fourth, and fifth. So, so that means the game watching parties at your house on the third for your birthday. That's right. right. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah you got to put it. All, or, yeah. or I'm just going to go to go to Stillwater, right. you know, for my <laughs> right. birthday weekend. Yeah. And uh, I don't so know about that. Oklahoma State, they're opening their stadium. Yeah, is this the? the, the, the I don't, well, I, don't know if, I don't know if this will be the opening game, but they're opening no, their stadium this, this year. year. Yeah. Right, yeah, oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's built. Beautiful. So, yeah, they've put together a great – it says O'Brate Stadium. I don't yeah, – I, I that's assume right. I'm saying that right. But, yeah. And uh, they'll, they, what they're doing, too, is is really throwing down the gauntlet on facilities that, yeah. you know, not, not everybody's going to be chasing that. Yeah. Everybody's going to be recruiting against that. Yeah. I'm sure the, the Sooners are going, okay, all right. Then, yeah. then, <laughs> they, you know, they, promised, they promised this stadium to, you know, to the previous coaching staff. Yeah. To, I think it went yeah. all the way back to Frank. To I Frank, thought, yeah, yeah, to Frank, yeah, yeah, to Frank. They promised yeah. to Frank, and then and that was back in oh six, oh seven, and it was going to be funded by T Boone Pickens, and then 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 the economy downturn hit, and, mm-hmm. and Boone had to pull back a lot of his money, so they really had to delay a long time on this thing. So this one, they've been waiting on this one for a long, long 
time, and, and it's been needed for a long, long time. If you've ever been to Alley P. Reynolds Stadium, it's, sure. it's been needed for a while. Man, that just makes me want to talk about Dan Law Field upgrades <laughs> right now, <laughs> Rip Griffin Park. But <laughs> let's finish. The, let's go through the schedule. So April seventh, Tuesday game against Abilene Christian. This one's in Midland at Security Bank Ballpark, where the Rockhounds play. And then you're back on a. That's a Tuesday in Midland, and then you host Oklahoma. But this is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So I'm assuming that's Easter, Easter weekend. Weekends, yeah. yeah. So you'll have OU Easter weekend that where you go Thursday through Saturday. And then in Lubbock, a two-game midweek late in the season, hosting New Mexico for two. So you'll have a four-game over the se- over the season with New Mexico. Which is the Monday-Tuesday coming yeah. out of the Easter. Right. Yeah. Then back on the road again, and the last time you went to Waco <laughs> was the end of a horrible uh, long road trip that included Louisville, Kentucky, and then Baylor. That was when Zach Reams did start to break out a little bit. Oh, no. But you're going back Friday through Sunday, April 17th through 19th against the Bears, and then on the road, back-to-back weekends, no midweek that week, and then the last weekend of April on the road in Lawrence against Kansas. So at the very least, you're not in Kansas in the cold season months. Right. You know, At least you're there in later April. You're not, <laughs> yeah. putting, not putting heated tents over the bullpen like you had to do before. And then you'll have uh, another with Abilene Christian, this time at their house uh, on April 28th, a Tuesday game with them at, at Crutcher Scott Field. And then you're hosting the Longhorns to close out Oh, no, excuse me. That's not closing out the conference portion. First weekend of May, hosting Texas, Friday through Sunday. No TV information on these quite yet. but uh, And then the worst game that you could possibly have, a <laughs> Tuesday game at Dallas Baptist at Horner Ballpark, and then close out that Big 12 slate on the road against TCU at their house in Fort Worth, May 14th through 16th, before you walk into what is usually a Big 12 championship that you don't care anything about at all. Oh yeah, uh, and not you know those are inconsequential. Now. Yeah, at that at this point. So, I mean, we're not going to dig into every opponent, but any other thoughts about you know that Big Twelve schedule as we look at it and, and you move know, through? We're in a we're in a sequence right now. Tech is, and I don't know if the schedule rotation is going to going to shift um, in twenty twenty one. Who knows? But uh, right now we're in a mode where we play. You know, last year you remember we played three of our last four at home down the stretch and then it flips this year and we play three of our last four this year on the road. And so we're, we've kind of, you know, our, our schedule is sort of lack balance and that's based on the assignment from the big 12. This isn't a comment right. about Tim's scheduling philosophy or anything else. Uh, it's just what we're given from the big 12 or what the program's given. Uh, my assumption is, of course, we have the, the final exams deal there in early May. You know, the weekend between Texas and TCU is the no games, essentially open weekend or finals. And my assumption is when the very first versions of this schedule comes out, West Virginia is plugged in there, and the, but they have to pick that up and move it to accommodate our finals. And I think Texas and Baylor are the same way. They can't play during yeah. their final exams. Yeah, we're so, not the only school no, we're not. in the yeah, conference. No. But it yeah. just, I just think that's the wrinkle that has to take place. And so we don't really have balance in the way this schedule comes out every year. Last year it was three of the last four at home. It was yeah. great because coming down the stretch, the weather gets nice. We've got a bunch of weekends at home. Yep. This year there's one home weekend after Easter. You know, yeah, and and so it feels. You look at this. Yeah, you're you at home this, all of March. And yeah, you, you look turn at the schedule, and, and it's you kind of blur your eyes and go, man, all the dark, all the bold text is up near the top half of the sheet. And so, uh, you know, but that's sort of the way it is. It really puts the emphasis on wanting to host next year, so that we can make sure that that Texas series is the last home baseball on May third. 
Yeah. You know, I, I don't want you the know. season to peak on March 29th. Exactly. The home season right. to peak on March well, 29th. Well, and just, to, yeah, just to, to reiterate kind of what you're saying, you've had, you've got Oklahoma the Thursday, Friday, Saturday before Easter. You take off the Sunday, then you're a Monday, Tuesday, you host New Mexico. You're not going to watch tech baseball again at Rip Griffin Park until the Texas series starts on May 1st. You know, so you have most of most of the rest of April, and then that's it. They're, they're not back again. You know, yeah. until until you host a regional. Yeah, I, I, went, so. I went. Fingers crossed. I went and looked a little bit just on the 2020 schedule. You know, because Gus and I had talked about this before about how it's front loaded home and then back loaded. You know, rows. So I right. kind of said, well, how how is everybody else in the conference that I had schedules for looked? You know, and so I I didn't get through any of the Kansas schools of West Virginia, but you know, really the only the only team out of you know like uh, I looked at Texas, Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. The only team that really has a schedule like ours, where it's front loaded one way, back loaded the other way, is Baylor. Yeah, everybody else has a pretty good balance, and and you know, and of those teams I listed, the only ones that are you know that are that are ending on the road are us and Oklahoma State. Texas and Texas is ending at, at at home. TCU is ending at home. Baylor's ending at home, and and so it's and so it's it's a little it's a little frustrating. You know, we we look at you know we don't gripe about it last year because it was backloaded to home. So all right, you know, yeah. but but the year before that, remember it was it was oh, yeah. ba- it was backloaded yep. where we were road uh, for most of the year in in 2018. So you know, it would be nice to have a little bit about, especially for a team that you know draws. Well, and it's going to have you know you know great weather in 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 uh, in May and June. Right. Well, and I guess to find a little bit of silver lining, you get Texas late because no having them yeah, as early no as you did last year, yeah. frustrating series, and then one that kind of added to that early season woes. You know, and you had them so early. I mean, you you followed Open, up. Yeah. yeah, you followed up with other with other non con series after Texas, and, and so you look early. at the end of the season, you're thinking. We lost to those guys. Yeah, exactly. In three low-scoring games. Three low-scoring yes. games. Yeah. Of all people, Josh and Young made a critical error. And yeah. That was and they don't want to admit it, but you set you set attendance records every right? day exactly. and for the weekend. Exactly. And yeah, no yeah, doubt. big atmosphere. Uh, but yeah, that, that's exactly the point we're talking about. That was the point at which people go, the comp, the chemistry of this team. Go, hang on a minute. We're about to play three of our last four at home. Let's just let's just get let's get home and see what happens exactly. here. And it, because we also knew it was Baylor. When you oh, say people, you. you mean Sneed. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's <laughs> he's the he's the ultimate. He's the ultimate. You're like the eternal optimist, and he's the ultimate pessimist. Oh, I right. think okay. that's my that's my perception. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, go uh, ahead, go ahead. What were you saying? You have a name of Mr. Negative. What do you say? That's, right. that's right. What were you going to say though? Uh, I don't remember. You were I talking just... about. You were talking about. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. You're talking about coming back and kind of seeing oh, how yeah, it went yeah. at the end. We came back and played Baylor, and basically starting the second half of conference, and you know, you're playing three of your last four at home. Baylor was in first place when we played them. Mm-hmm. Knocked them out of first by winning that series. Then OSU's up next, and they moved into first. Knocked them out of first. Yep. Went on the road. Swept, swept at OU, OU, which was incredible. Yeah. Yes, you know, that was. Because we were thinking, like, hey, got to go up there. that's a good OU Got to go up there and get, get, get a win. You know, you got to go up there. You can't get sweat. You know, that kind of guy. See if we can win this series. You go sweep. Holy cow. I, I, always, I always joke with my friends in OU and say, all right, here, hey, our guys are coming up there. You know, be easy on us this weekend. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're part of the Yardbirds, like the hecklers of yeah, OU. Yeah. They're part of the Yardbirds. And I'm always like, hey, take it easy on our guys. It's, you know, by the end of the season, they're, they're like, holy crap, you guys are good. <laughs> uh, and then come home and play TCU and got a chance to clinch the Big 12 at home, yep. which was great. Yeah, which yep. was cool. Yeah. yeah no and some other weird shenanigans on the road. I'm trying to remember the the, potent, the canceled game and the there were some weird things that happened with Baylor and o- Oklahoma State, wasn't it, that – 
oh, if yeah, they didn't they complete didn't, a yeah, game. Remember they they had a game right Yeah, they had out. a game yeah. weathered it, out. Yeah, it basically met the had we not beaten TCU that the the league champ was going to be we, determined that by half that. Game, yeah. We yeah, went that from we game. went from needing a win. A, a series win over TCU to having to sweep right. because they didn't play that, right. that yeah. third yes. game. It, when it got down to the final game of that series, we had to win it, and uh, you know, of course, they did. But and it ended up being a great environment too. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah. You, you know, you think, and that's what I think about. It seems like most of our best environments are down the stretch. The weather's a little bit nicer. It's after basketball, and so fans are kind of you know, you're not in divided attentions anymore. The weather stabilized a little bit. Everybody's in more of a baseball mode, and that's that's what I that's what I always hate about this schedule when it comes out and it's so front loaded like man yeah you know when the place is really going to be rocking we're not we're not home yeah you know, but, yeah when i don't have to wear you know, my it'll be and, and we I don't are, have to wear are, my duck all bundled gear. up and trying, yeah. just trying to stay warm <laughs> and, and nobody it, wants to yell and above all else though it's going to be fine you know that, yeah sure you yeah know, it'll be great we're just looking there. for things to quibble Probably. about yeah, exactly yeah. that's if, exactly if, right if it's if all this, relative if yeah. this is what we have to go through to to play baseball in june here okay yeah yeah exactly all right well what have we forgotten uh, our Twitter accounts. I'm at Gus oh, yeah. twenty six G U S two six at and, Gus twenty six. Uh, and I really do. I mean, you were joking about it. I usually give away my extra tickets on. A lot of times, I'll give them away on Twitter if somebody in the group down there doesn't need them, especially when I'm broadcasting early in the year. So, a lot of times, I'll post on there and say, "Hey, if anybody needs two tickets, you know, just give me your name. I'll put it put them at will call on my way into stadium to broadcast." So. uh if you don't follow me for any other reason than uh, <laughs> free tickets, you go, man. I got to endure a lot of St. Louis Cardinals retweets <laughs> yeah. to, to, to get to these free tickets. We'll hang we're all, in there. We're all but, like Gus, shut up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah the, there there are free. There are some baseball tickets that get posted on the day of several games, yeah. especially early. Yeah. Uh, I'm TTU Jorge. You know, mostly you'll, you'll see my Twitter when I'm like freelancing, doing some high school stuff, but I, I try as best I can to, to get as much tech baseball info out there when I see it on Twitter. So, yeah. Uh, so that's at TTU J O R G E. Yeah. 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 Well, guys, this has been fun. I yep. mean, two or three episodes worth here, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> y'all didn't tell your wives you were going to be gone long yeah, enough, right. I think. Yeah, I know. So, I appreciate y'all coming on. And, I mean, you know, it's going to be a great season. It always is. And, you know, we'll just see what happens. That's the worst possible thing, I think, to say in any sort of sports broadcasting. But it really is – we have no idea. Yep. You know, we've seen a little bit. We've seen some guys. We have some opinions. And then some of them, like you said earlier, guests are going to fall flat on their face. And We'll see how they go. Above all else, I'm pretty optimistic about it. No yeah. doubt. I always am. I am. No I am doubt. too. I think. I think it's we've gotten. Team. We've gotten to the point that, like I said, you know, we you know, we've we've established the the program now, and yeah. and it's and it's all right. New guys, your turn. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Step up and go. And the nice thing that feels good when we walked out of that last fog ball game. Gus was kind of grabbing the net and saying, "No, like winter, <laughs> winter has started. Now yeah. we're only sixty-seven right. days away, so it feels better than it I, did I before." I wasn't a Game of Thrones guy, but I thought there was some sort of winter is coming deal. That was <laughs> yeah. some, I understand that was part of the show or it whatever, is. but I was thinking, yeah, this is you know it's winter when fall ball ends. Yeah, the official one, one, start. Of our, one of our who's it? They, they, was it was it Musial? They had well, you know what do you do during well, the winter? Rogers Hornsby, or Rogers Hornsby yeah. said, "What do you do during yeah, the winter?" Is I just stare out the baseball and wait till or stare out the window and wait till spring yeah that's yeah. right no doubt. i like watching some of those baseball twitter accounts or facebook groups like baseball king and some mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff 
you know, they do countdowns and they're always looking forward to stuff. I'm like, man, you guys got to you got to pay attention to college baseball. Yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're you're watching pitchers and catchers report, and we're already watching games. Well, and, 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 and the best thing is, you know, you got two weeks till Christmas now when we're when we're taping this, and so once you get through Christmas, you'll start getting through the the countdowns and the team countdowns yeah. and the top twenty fives yeah. will start coming out, and the player countdowns, and, and then the mm-hmm. all conference teams will start coming out, and, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So you kind of get that little build up to you know mid you know mid January when practice starts, and you're like, all right, we're finally here. Let's go. What's mid January? Here, then you got some scrimmages you can exactly. go watch and kind yeah, of you exactly. know same same kind of fall ball deal. <laughs> see, see, see if what we what we saw out of fall yeah, comes you know right. come true. Yeah, right. Yeah. All of a sudden, Dylan knows he's catching, and that's you know, it. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> be the outfield. All right, boys. Well, thank you so much, and yeah. thanks all y'all out there for listening. Make sure you follow these guys, Gus twenty six on Twitter and TTU Jorge. Appreciate you guys. I'm sure we'll have you back, and I'll look forward to that. So, hope we gave you a little bit of a fix here in the fall, and we'll be back certainly, maybe a couple times before, but certainly in the spring as as things get rolling with with our normal format from last year. So, until then, we'll talk to you soon. We'll see you at the ballpark when we have a chance to do it. Until then, wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at stakingtheplains.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck of tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone There's just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man or a gringo like me Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man or a gringo like me